Welcome to the Mortal Realms. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the Realm Gate this episode are... I'm Davey, the wormy apple of Grandfather's Eye. This is the Malevolent Gardener. And I'm Eric. Giran up for a great episode. The Mortal Realms is a podcast focused on the Age of Sigmar a new fantasy battle game with Games Workshop. Our podcast is about maximizing the fun that we and anyone listening can have playing Age of Sigmar. We'll be discussing stories and fluff, hobby, gameplay and tactics, news in the community, as well as being a resource for new players. If you have a gaming event coming up, let us know. We want to be a support for anyone else who contributes to the AOS community. This episode, we're going to travel through the Realm Gate to Garan, the Realm of Life. We'll follow the campaign of Lord Celestine Gardas and his hallowed knight, Stormhost, to locate the goddess Alarial, and to pop the pustules of Grand Papa Nurgle, the Chaos God of Decay. We'll be covering two stories by Josh Reynolds, The Gates of Dawn, the third story in the book Warstorm, and War in the Hidden Vale, the first story in the Galmaraz novel. We'll also be walking through the corresponding battle scrolls found in the campaign books, and as always, we're looking for fun in Garan for ourselves and new players. How's it going, fellas? How are you doing, Mal? I am doing great, guys. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Uh, holidays rolling around. We're warming up for the cool weather, yeah. and uh, at least around here. Of course, of course. Yeah. yeah. So uh, happy Thanksgiving, um, everyone in the US of A. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, hopefully by the time this airs, not Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> no promises. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be a long editing process. <laughs> I must be, get it perfect. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it must be even even uh, more so in the US when you have such a big holiday like Thanksgiving so late on in November that it's just downhill to Christmas from here. No work's getting done. You know, it's all about you know, it's the silly seasons, party time. You know, I, I I don't understand how that's that's why we have to like buy so much stuff in the shops because otherwise the economy would tank because everyone's just drunk and hung over the whole time. <laughs> nice. Nope, not here. Uh, oh, oh, not okay. just, yeah, just the UK. My bad. So. <laughs> no, yeah, I think there's always a combination between uh, everyone's gearing up for their family stuff and kind of shorter uh, work day or sh work weeks and that sort of stuff and. Uh, but the companies are all like, you know, end of year and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, always trying to make the mark. I started mapping out my hobby work schedule and uh, got a little alarmed and stopped doing it. So <laughs> <laughs> what are you uh, gearing up for there? We got Wapaka coming up and we'll be doing, uh, Eric and I are going up for the Friday of that. It's a four, four uh, game event one day. And uh, we bring in some little forces, and even my little force needs a fair amount of painting. But more on that at another time, I think. Are you guys gonna Are you guys gonna get to meet my personal hero, uh, David Whitek, of Garage Hammer? Oh, yeah. Is he gonna be there? Oh, uh, actually, I don't know. I don't think he is. He was there last year. I, I met him briefly. I didn't get to play against him, but I got to congratulate him. I think he was sitting behind a appallingly large undead army at uh, last year's Wapak. All those zombies. So, yeah. Um, um, yeah. Not certain, but yeah, I'm. I'm planning out for that too i've got my list built and i'm uh adequately panicking uh over a few things that have yet to be built um that in my heavily converted army i'm um, just making work for myself so 
but really looking forward to it. And I'm planning on getting permission to go in the coming weeks. Oh, I thought that was already obtained. <laughs> yeah, Exciting. yeah, okay. we're we're working slowly, <laughs> planting the seeds. Uh, yep, absolutely. Rebel Life Reference. Bam. <laughs> so let's uh, let's get this party started and uh, and move along, fellas. Uh, yeah, sure. You didn't. Do we care about what Mal's doing? You no. doing anything interesting, Mal? <laughs> uh, anything interesting? Anything interesting? Oh yes, I went to Warhammer World. That was oh, pretty yeah. Sweet. Um, yeah, it was it was for it was for non AOS related business. It was a, a Warhammer four thousand doubles uh, tournament. Sorry, Mal, you're breaking up. Was it? Yeah, yeah. You're feeding you're out. Right? I can't quite I get... hear you. Um, and uh, but in terms of hobby progress uh, and what am I getting up, gearing up to do? Well, I'm almost finished now. The um, the Stormcast Eternals um, that I have uh, got, but everything has been derailed by the release of the Horus Heresy plastic box set. But enough about Ooh, that because it's yeah. it's a that's like the tenth realm, and we're not going to go there. <laughs> we are going to go to the community phase, though. What do you say? Sounds good. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. <laughs> the community phase. In the community phase, we talk about news and events that are significant to the Age of Sigmar. So in past episodes, we've tried to highlight some of the um, events, the Age of Sigmar events that are happening. Um, but we're a little bit we, – we think that you know we're a global podcast, Mal's in Wales, and we're in Wisconsin. Um, not, not actually that close to all of the possible events that are happening out there. And we don't have enough time on air or even in our lives to really find them all out. And like we said earlier too, I mean – uh, Mal, you get to Warhammer World. It seems like you know a, a bit over the year. Um, and Davey, you've in your past have done more tournaments. Yep. I don't do many. Yep. But um, with Age of Sigmar, there's just so many different, many different kinds of events that are going to be coming out. It seems like that aren't just battle focused, that are narrative focused, or team focused, or just having fun focused. Um, but we had a problem is that we you can't cover all of those equally. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it might seem like to some that the tournament uh, are there's not as many as some might think there should be, et cetera. And some people haven't ever been to one. Um, and so we wanted to highlight this time um, the website wargames.cerebros.net. That's wargames.cerebros.net. And there's a ton of different events listed on there, not just Age of Sigmar, um, but there's uh, – quite a few events going through uh, the middle uh, and third part of uh, next year of 2016. Um, so if you do have an event, um, you can certainly tell us about it and we're happy to um, know about it. Um, but go and list it on uh, net, and we're going to try and just kind of keep sending our listeners there so that you can find out more about things. Um, yeah, keep an eye on it. You, you might see an event pop up in your area. You might want to be able to promote your event there. Uh, just check it out. We'll keep checking in on it. If it seems like it's uh, going strong, we'll 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 give it another shout. But it seems like it seems like there's a lot of a lot of action on there already. So it seems like a good resource. Yep. Um, I, I just I, I've just I've just fired it up there for the first time ever, um, having been told about it by you guys about ten minutes before the show started. And it looks it looks awesome. It looks really impressive. Um, I think and sort of I guess the the real strength of that website is that you can. Um, filter by game system, by tournament type, by month, year, where, wherever it is. So really makes your life um, super easy. So yeah, I, I heartily recommend it. Like Eric said, we will, if, if you've got something interesting going on with your event, uh, we'll, we'll still talk about events. We'll talk about all kinds of different things in the community phase come, um, to come. But you know, we'll, we'll kind of touch on those aspects that are 
maybe applicable or interesting to a to a wide audience and then uh uh get your get your more local uh specific stuff uh, check it out there what are you gonna say now i was gonna say so yeah talking about uh events that are um i guess important for the wider audience um maybe maybe not so much if you're on your side of the pond but um over here that, that something that i don't think will be on that website is that um games workshop's 40th uh, birthday party is running the weekend of the 2nd to the 3rd of january um up at warhammer world and it's uh, it's a free event it's ticket only but it's free, it, it, but it's um but it's free so you just need to get on the um on the warhammer world website and, and re- re- register for your ticket and get up there i will be going on the sunday so look forward to seeing everyone there maybe i should get like a mortal realms t-shirt so people know who to throw the rotten fruit at yeah. I do that. I yeah, do I was that. definitely I, thinking about doing that for Paca, um, yeah. so that Davey and I could show up uh, with shirts now, and dice. I, I did this uh, sort of thing in the past with uh, when I was down in Texas. I had my one man club, the Fabulous Unicorn Lords, and a uh, nice. the unicorn <laughs> farting a rainbow on my hat. Have you seen that video about the ice cream? I have not, but All I right. made up a bunch of these hats. I'd wear one, and then uh, best opponent would get handed a hat. So nice. there's there's another thing we consider Mortal Realms hats. The, but yeah, the, well, yeah, that's good. like any kind of. I think any. Have you seen that? Uh, what's the the movie uh, Office Space with yeah. the uh, with and the and the guy in the? It's basically TGI Fridays, but he has all the flair yes. on his um, on oh, his uh, on his lantern. <laughs> yeah, I love that you're you're, you're the flair guy. Like, amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we got. I think. More, more to follow on that. Absolutely, so. yeah. Stay tuned. Anyway, keep yes, your ears so you're peeled. Gonna, you're going to go down there, uh, all all blinged out with your uh, Mortal Realms player, twenty one pieces or more. Uh, but you're, you're going to make it down, Mal, or are you uh, you still? Yeah, I know. I, I definitely, I definitely, I'm intending to. Um, and the reason I'm kind of uh, giggling to myself is that I'm I, I'm on the I'm on the Warhammer World uh, webpage at the moment, and there's a big thing that says. Christmas made easy at Warhammer World, and I haven't clicked on the link because I know it's going to be just check your credit card at the door, uh, <laughs> and, and I will see you in a couple hours. Don't worry about it. Uh, but whilst you're here, all the beer is free. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, nice. It's like Vegas. I'll... I imagine it's like Vegas. As long as you're buying, the drink is free. Yeah. Nice. Well, the last thing I'll say for the community phase is um, obviously, if you're listening right now, there are bundles on the website. Um, I know there's the. GW did uh, a big some big bundle sales for um, Black Friday. They're large, they're pricey, so they're I mean they're a couple hundred dollars each or more. Um, but you do get savings in those. Um, but it does seem like uh, you know Games Workshop's just starting to do a few things, and then their Advent calendar is coming up. So get the they have a they have an app, um, the Warhammer app that yeah. uh, has both 40k and Age of Sigmar and other things in it. And you know you can sometimes get uh, free stories down for download, and you know this, that, and the other. So it's kind of a fun little thing leading up to Christmas if you want Warhammer to did, be did you guys holiday. see did you guys see what the the symbol is for um for the the Black Friday deals it's the, like the, the, the Blood oh, Angel yeah, Red it, X no it's yeah, yeah it's, it, the, uh, it's death a Blood Angels Blood Death Company <laughs> show regard yeah look at me with the 40k knowledge look yeah. at you guys boom boom <laughs> yeah. all right although, so although if you look at like, on the webpage it has the it has the three boxes like Warmer 40,000 Warhammer Age Signal and then the Hobbit box all together and then three big red X's behind it I'm pretty sure if someone like walked in behind me right now they'd be like why are you on a porn site <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, let's get into the main meat of the episode. Yeah. Uh, let's the tell you a face. story here. The, the rotten meat, rotten, festering, <laughs> pustulating yeah, meat. see what you did. All right. The story phase. 
So in the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the Nine Realms. So this episode, uh, we have gone through the Realm Gates to Garan, the Realm of a Life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, back in the Age of Myth, this would have been a beautiful place. It would have been uh, Garden of Eden times a million. <laughs> uh and we're talking gigantic trees, floating aisles, crystal clear waters, and like vegetation that glows with magical energy. Yeah. And uh, if you go there today, it's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> Davy, your chaotic tendencies are showing. <laughs> How embarrassing! So, in the Gates of Dawn, which is the um, in the first Warstorm, one of the first novels that came out, Warstorm. Uh, written by Josh Reynolds, um, we are introduced to um, the the Stormcast uh, Storm host that is sent into Garan, mm-hmm. and it sounds like some um, some scouts had been sent earlier. So um, other kind of single, and I'm thinking maybe the Knights of Zeros or something like that had been sent in to kind of scout right. ahead of time. But this is the first um, kind of large force that's sent in, and it is led by Gardas Steel Soul. Um, and this is the Hallowed Knights. So silver armor, a little bit of gold, royal blue. And every time you – like it seems like every story about these, they tell you yeah. exactly how yeah, to – Yeah, exactly to, what they look like. What right? they look like. Um, and um, and Gardas and his um, group have not – I mean, they, again, this is their first touchdown mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the Realm Gate Wars. Mm-hmm. And their goal – First, in this book, what we know is their goal is first and foremost to capture the Gates of Dawn. Seize the Gates of Dawn, right. Um, and I don't know if we know it out at the outset what that means. I think it's right. just, you know, it's like they're doing in other places. Grab these gates, open them up, make it a good place, a portal to come through. Right. Um, but something's amiss. Um, well, so yeah. well, that's and I think I think uh, some of these they've been gone from some of these places for so long. A lot of these realm gates they're going after. They, they don't even know if they exist anymore or where they lead anymore. So it, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of lost information, but I, I also, I also feel that when, when Sigmar has his big map spread out on him and he's got all this, he's got all the Lord Celestine around and he's like, okay, Gardas, you're going here and you're going here and this is your job. You're going to do it. And it's so, it's like super nonspecific. Um, and I'm sure this Lord Celestine's are all like looking at each other like, uh, do you know what he's talking about? Like, where even is that? And they're, but they're, it's like Sigmar's using so they're, MapQuest. They're, they're, they're too scared to answer back. So yes, yeah. yeah, that's why. <laughs> so he's using MapQuest instead of Google Maps and Ooh, everyone's like, yep. uh, the time, is this? Yeah. <laughs> um, and what we do find out, yeah, about this gate um, is that there's a, a group, there's a, a tribe, a, a Nurgle tribe led by, um, was this Grelch? Yep, Lord Grelch. So this is actually one of my uh, favorite parts of, of all these. This is one of the things I want to talk about. This this might be my favorite character so far in Age of Sigmar, Lord Lord Grelch. I don't know what you guys thought about him. He was awesome. Well, he has a re- he has a he has a really He's... long story arc. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's only one chapter. And, and actually, I uh, I tweeted Josh Reynolds to to say that like, I love this dude, and he was like, Yeah, I kept on coming back and adding pieces to that. I'm sorry I couldn't like keep going with him. Like, but it was uh, again, and I, I made the point when we we're reading stuff back in actually where when somebody can write a chaos character that's relatable like that, that just really turns it on. You know, I, I'm, I'm really impressed by that. And that was, that was totally the case with this guy. I, I really, uh, really enjoyed it. You, you, 
I don't know. It made it seem like, oh man, it's pretty awesome to be a follower of Nurgle. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he was pretty satisfied with all the all the rotting flesh that he had, the maggots growing in his arm, the stench that was in the place. I mean, yeah, I mean, he got was, uh, he yeah. got twisted and turned to really enjoy his life. Yeah, there was, but there was. So with a yeah, here comes the inner wargaming pedant. Um, there was a, like a bit in like one page. He talks about how his sense of pain. Was yeah. the first thing that yeah. went, that went, and then then like right before that, it talks about how the wound was aching, aching but he didn't well, mind yeah. because. And I was like, mm, "How does this work? Maybe yeah. I know. Did a wizard do it, or is there more to it?" <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. I did pick up on that on reread. But uh, you know, I liked. Uh, you know, he, so he's he's there, and all of a sudden he's realizing, like, "Oh man, we're gonna lose this." And then uh, Nurgle's calling him like, "Hey, you're you know." Um, I guess Balthrax, you find out later, is his is his immediate master who's, yeah. who's getting ready to come through. And he says, "You know, I need I need just a little more blood." And uh, he says uh, he hadn't hadn't intended it to be mine, but well, you can't have everything. Grandfather never asked more than a man could give. Like it was it was just like a really relatable you know sort of idea of how this guy you know connected to to his uh, faith. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I thought it was pretty cool. So he. Uh, you know, he sees the storm cast. His his slaves are trying to build up these pillars and, and and do a blood ritual to to kind of have something. You know, this gate open up, and uh, he uses his own blood. He goes yeah. down, and he uh, the storm cast are demolishing his blight kings, and he goes down and faces his death. And his blood gets spilled over the the rocks with uh, the Nurgle sigils on them and stuff. And then uh, the gate opens, which it. As I say, which it, which interestingly foreshadows something that happens to a stormcast later on. Uh, yeah, and uh, so the gate opens, and we find that it's a pretty heavily mutated gate. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty it's a direct um, it's a direct gate to um, the Garden of Nurgle, yeah. to uh, Nurgle's spot in the realm of chaos. And this is uh, we've they've seen the stormcast have seen some things like this um, before, um, but and then and out pops. Bolothrax. Bolothrax. Literally, literally pops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a really big, great, unclean one. And can you guys explain? The great, unclean ones, they are the... Are they the the demon... Um... So, um, each of the chaos powers has um, the... They're, they have a number of different followers, and the received wisdom is that each one of the demons that they that they they create is made from a sort of small shard of their will or their power, and the largest manifestation of each of that um, that we see in the in the in the stories and in, and certainly in the game um, are greater demons of insert chaos power here. So the uh, great unclean one is the is the, is the greater demon of Nurgle. Um, there's no, I don't think there's ever been like a, a, a lesser unclean one. Uh, no. <laughs> I, 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 I think it doesn't matter. I mean, they're, they're cool. So, I mean, but what do they, what do they look like? Ah, it's like a, it's like kind of a, a big, um, bloated toad with horns and a sword yeah. and a pretty good sense of humor, actually. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What do you, how would, how would Davey, I mean, how, how would you describe a great unclean one? Uh, I think you've got it, a, a, a big sack of excretions that somehow walks around i don't you know it's uh yeah they they uh big waddling fat dudes and every time they're they're going around in this in this book you get that you know they they never they never sprint anywhere they they you know <laughs> they do if they if they went to walmart they would have a, a mobility scooter like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. little rascals <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
So yeah, they're they are yeah rotting flesh and and all the the, the disgustingness of Nurgle um, all in one um, tight not tight package. <laughs> um, and so he steps through and uh, he's he's ready to do business. Yeah. Um, he starts calling forth uh, demon uh, flies from yep. the portal and the the, the skies grow dark and from the flies come um, uh, plague bearers. Yeah. And they just start pouring down in the Stormcast, hammering, hammering, hammering. Um, and the Stormcast are uh, – the, the Hallowed Knights are – I mean just – Also overrun. hammering, hammering, hammering. Yeah, yeah. also hammering. Definitely. But they're definitely you – well, know they're heavily beset. And, and you can read that. You're seeing like, okay, they're, they're getting pressed hard. And what tells you that these guys are really getting pushed hard is it snaps you back to the Celestial Realm, Azir – and Sigmar uh, calls the Lord Celestine of the Astral Templars Zephaclius. Yeah, Zephacles. Zephacles. Let's go with Zephacles. Yeah. yeah. He calls good. Zephacles and he says, uh, the Hallowed Knights have, have met an opponent that is beyond them, that yep. is far beyond them. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess that's a problem. Yep. You know? So Zephacles is known as a monster killer. Um, the, the Astral Templars are the kind of deep purple. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, yeah, and, and Zephacles and Gardas our friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they kind of, um, had given each other some advice and s- stuff back in, uh, Azir. So yeah, call them down. They come down to kind of, um, bring in reinforcements. But what, Hey, so it's probably important to talk about what happens up in Azir right before they come down. Like who is Zephicles talking to, um, up in, up in the sky. Yeah. Well, and I think that what's interesting here is it, it, definitely gets you a little bit more into I mean all the time we're telling these stories and reading these stories we're finding that there's just more to the Stormcast than these um, you know same faces same armor yeah. um, that we think of them um, and uh, so Zephicles of the Astro Templars is walking through and you just see this hustle and bustle um, there's uh, um, uh, Celestial Vindicators uh, coming through supposedly from Shaman because we, we read about Shaman is in this, another story that's in here um, and then um we get um, Gardas's, um, what do they call them? Lord Relictor. Yeah, his Castellan. Lord Relictor, Martis, and his yeah. Lord Calistant, Grim, and another, um, uh, I think, a, a I think it's their, it's their, it's, yeah, it's their Decimator Prime. Yeah. Yep. So, and they're worried about him. They're worried about well, Gardas. So here's the thing. Like, yeah, they're worried about him, so, but why weren't they with him in the first place? If they're, if they're part of his, you know, it's not, you know, they're part of his, you know, host his his posse. So I didn't, I I couldn't get why they weren't down there um, in Giran with him. Which is which is, I guess, what I was aiming uh, trying to bring the conversation around to is if Grim is so concerned about him, and you've got your chief decimator and also the Lord Relictor. Well, I don't think they have a choice in what their group is going down. I think Sigmar is deciding, and you've got so much of a force, um, and this is that first strike. So they're trying to open up a gate so that other people can go down. Um, and so I think, does he have, because he doesn't have his Lord Relictor or his Castellant with him. No. Um, he's got his primes uh, of the other ones, are, and, and Targus yeah. is someone that we know, his, uh, his prosecutor. Who is, <laughs> Do you think, I was thinking it's maybe like Grim is like Mr. T in the A-team, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I ain't getting a no damn Thunderstrike, you know, it's like, he's, he's like, he's not going to Lightning, it's like, you, you've got to, you've got to open up the, uh, open up the wrong gate, otherwise I'm not going amazing. Best, no, yeah, best I, think... I can guess is that they, they're held as a reserve, you know, there's uh, Stormcast going all over the, the eight realms right now, 
and we're not sure where they're going to encounter the heaviest resistance. So you're yeah. going to hold your reserves back. Just like in conventional warfare these yeah. days, you don't commit yourself fully unless you have no other choice. Well, I think when, when Vandus went down, he had Ionis, but mm-hmm. he didn't have a Castellant. Yeah. He didn't have any other of his, um, oh, what do they call them? The command. Um, I it's guess. almost like those models weren't released. No, okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> rewind, rewind. Yeah, they, no, you're right. They, they, yeah, I think yeah, they, they're they're just held up there and they they, they package it up based on on the job. Yeah, pretty cool. And this is first strike. You know, thinking that they could go in with a small force because uh, Sigmar has limited energy to do these kind of like sending people directly to the realm. So these bypassing, um, and you'll. You'll get a piece of that later too, and I'll just jump to it because we'll probably lose it when we get there. But there's a, a time where one of the the Nurgle, um, one of the Glotkin, spoiler, they're in here. Um, one of the brothers is um, summoning um, um, plague drones, yeah, and it is a great effort for him to do that mm-hmm. so far from a realm gate, yeah. So, oh yeah, you I know. So you. there's yeah. there's a sense that you know these realm gates do serve kind of part of that channeling from the different realms and stuff. Sure. So but and they, didn't, the, they, didn't they thought this, um, the whole, pl- this realm gate was supposed to lead them straight back up to Azir, wasn't it? So it was, uh, supposed, the, yeah. Yep. So the, the gates of Dawn was supposed to be act like the gates of Azir yeah. in, uh, the Brimstone Peninsula. They were supposed to open it up, be able to take control, open it up, get reinforcements, but it mm-hmm. turned out to be a, uh, they were able to, it's a, it's a, it's been corrupted. Yeah. Yeah. Corrupted. yeah. And uh, so you, at first you're like, wow, this is really big ball thrax, this, this big, great, unclean one. <coughs> but maybe they can handle it. And it uh, comes back to yep. around, around the Gates of Dawn. And ball thrax has been talking about, oh, my rot guard's coming. And at first I'm thinking like, oh, it's probably just, you know, another legion of plague bears. Well, it turns out it's seven more great, unclean ones yeah. that come rolling. Yeah, he doesn't. He does. That's a, that's a problem. Esca- this escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, it yeah did. so it was a lot of them. And there's some really cool scenes in here of them, uh, um, you know, going up against a couple of these at a time. The first one comes down and they beat it up and, and take it down. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the rest of them just like start charging all at once. They're like, you know, we're not, we're not going to keep just sending one at a time down here. Um, and this is when the, the celestial, sorry, not celestial vindicators, the, um, Astral Templars. Astral Templars show up and come to help out. Um, and and they realize, too, that um, as they're fighting, they're trying to do this on a couple forces. Uh, then the then Skaven come in, yeah, right? Pop in and kind of mess things up. And we meet uh, Verminax. Uh, Vermalanx. Vermal- yeah. Stupid names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might remember it. Mal, did you read uh, The End Times uh, thoroughly? Yes, um, and yeah, I think. Let me think. How? Where did he pop up? Was he was one of the? Was he the guy that just? Yeah, he was the the. Yeah, he was the, the big badass. Um, he's, vermin he's lord. Pestilence, uh, pestilence, clan pestilence, uh, vermin lord. So I think he did a lot of stuff over in Lustria, helping bring that spot down. Yes, uh, yes, yes. When the when all the lizard men took off in their um yeah uh, in their in their temples. Yeah. Anyway, apparently that guy is still around. Yeah. Uh, but so it, and and Zephicles really wanted a piece of his uh, tails, um, and uh, there's a really cool battle there with those guys. Um, in general, I think they're all kind of it's pretty split up. I mean, and I think they're making some headway. Some of the rot guard are getting taken down, but Gardas uh, realizes that there's really only one thing that he that needs to happen. You know, it's it's kind of when we're playing these games, right? Mm-hmm. You got to focus on the objective, yeah. and so um, he goes tries to make way and, and cuts a path towards uh, towards his real 
uh, enemy, Bolas Rex. Yeah. And one of the side effects of the arrival of the Skaven is that he's he's cut off. So he's making his way there, and all of a sudden the Skaven pop in, and now Gardas is, you know, the many, many other uh, Stormcasts who think highly of Gardas can't make their way to him because they're, they're cut off by this just... Yep. Uh, massive tide of Skaven. Yeah. Now, we don't get a lot from the Skaven in this book other than this massive rats coming out. We don't get a lot of personality. If you want good personality, we might cover it at some point, The Beneath the Black Thumb. Yeah. It's a lot of great personality for the Skaven. So if you're a Skaven fan, go read that one. Um, but we, they do come in, they you know chew a hole, and they chew a hole from the void. They come out of nowhere and yeah. spring into This here. is actually an interesting thing about Skaven, uh, that they, they seem to be able to cut their way from, from realm to realm. Uh, Interesting. I, I'm sure they'll explore that more. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happens a few times in these in this fiction. And it, it seems to be. Um, I might. I'm maybe getting it wrong, but the the um, this is where uh, like warpstone really wasn't a thing um, up until now. But I think I, I, I get the impression that it's warpstone is or warpstone infused equipment mm-hmm. is what's allowing them to cut their way from one uh, reality to another. I mean, yeah. David, is that square no, with it, it you're reading it? I'd buy it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm buying a lot of I mean, things. They used, in these to, they used to tunnel, tunnel through the old world. Now they're just yeah. tunneling straight through realms. So, yep. But uh, uh, and everybody's getting their own uh, uh, resource metal type thing. Mm. Uh, the, oh yeah. The, the fire slayers have ur gold. Right? Yep. And the so the uh, stormcast have sigmarite. Yeah. The um, lizard men, the seraphite have yeah. celestite. So yeah. I mean, it's you know, there's a thing. Everyone's got their own. Yeah. Uh, there's probably exchange resource. rates out there. <laughs> Um, and so th- this particular um, story um, goes just a little bit further. Um, they manage uh, and to, to, to move quickly through. Gardas manages to get up to Balthrax, um, and they exchange a couple of blows, and, and Gardas realizes he's not going to be able to take this guy head on. Yeah. Um, now, you know, he'd left Zephycles, had helped him get past another... Um, uh, another great unclean one. Yeah, yep. yep. And, uh, you know, so that he could kind of get past him and get up there. And, and so Gardas, uh, one, so one of the things we know about the Hallowed Knights also from the audio, uh, books, there's another, um, Lord Celestine that's, um, leading a group of Hallowed Knights there. Um, but they, their kind of chant is only the faithful. And it, again, it's, it's just being very on, on task with what Sigmar wants them to do. And so, um, he needs to, he knows that he needs to bring down this gate. And so he, um, sees that he's not going to be able to take on Balthrax, and he jumps into the gate, which leads straight to the Garden of Nur- Nurgle. He assumes yeah. he knows he's just whoops a daisy. Gonna he's just gonna have to die there, but he's taunted Balthrax, and so Balthrax goes in after him. Uh, the gate warps and wobbles, and then it gets destroyed. So Mal, yeah, let me appeal to your as you mentioned before pedantic gamer mind, right? Do it. So. So Balathrax came out of this gate and it didn't collapse, but when he goes back in, it collapses. Did did that bother you at all, or did, am I missing something that well, you guys saw? Well, it was Balathrax and then his seven bros. Okay. So I think it's it's just been weakened by okay. a great unclean one uh, squeezing through this thing. I mean this <laughs> this ain't <laughs> these ain't no uh, you know uh, young little things thin yeah. and, and wispy. It's it's not engineered to. Yeah, it's best, and I, I think. Um, if I was going to try and put it into in, in sort of um, the terms of the of the mortal realms, I think it's probably to do with the fact that the like the the the, the um, 
malignant energy that's been that's been pumped through it. So you've got all these the it's the it, it can only take so much, and then when it's like you know the you've had some you know energy being pumped out, and then when it some goes the other way. Um, when mm. the the great when the ball of tracks jumps back through, it just it just weakens it too much and just and pulls it down. I, I didn't I didn't really have too much of a problem with it. I yeah. mean, I, I guess. Actually, and thinking about it, maybe maybe it was a deal like when he arrived, he was still being kind of <laughs> summoned, not not full on. You know, maybe wasn't fully all there. Now he's now he's there in all his enormous fatness, and that's me. Yeah, when I read these books, I don't bother with science uh, <laughs> and physics. <laughs> I, uh, like I said, I... I, well, I next just... time, you're going you're to tell me that the, there's no such way that, that like the islands can float around in the sky. I, oh, yeah, I, I man. Buy it. Yeah. <laughs> My, no. Well, um, this, this book closes out Gardas running through the Nurgle, uh, Garden of Nurgle. Yeah, sweet place to be. Yep, and this this first book really just sets us up with Gardas and his relationship with his men um, and women. Again, just making assumptions, um, and the relationship with him and his uh, um, his other, you know, with his castellant and uh, um, help me out, guys, his relictor. Uh, and so, you know, just kind of really getting a sense of what kind of person he is and how much his. Um, his storm host respects him um, and what he's willing to do at all costs for the mission. Yeah. So it's because it's, and it's, and, it, and it, it's without wanting to jump straight into the, the next, the next book, it really, yeah, it sits because at the, at the, at the outset of um, War on the Hidden Veil, we kind of get to see that all his uncertainty, all Gardas's uncertainty about how, how much he was respected is completely unfounded. So like, because they love him and, and his, a big part of his, of, of what makes him an interesting character throughout the the first book we're talking about here is that he's he's unsure about whether he's good enough. He's got all these uncertainties, and that's what he talks to Zephyrcles about um, yeah. all the way through. But one of so here for some more um, old school Warhammer lore. Um, on me. When when Gardas is in the, the Garden of Nurgle, um, so that's your giant silver armored knight in the Garden of Nurgle, um, Davy. When has a giant silver armored knight in the Garden of Nurgle appeared before? Um, I, I'm gonna pitch this back to Eric because this is his pet theory. So. Yeah, ah. I was thinking about this too. Um, in the Kane book, um, yep. the, with the elves, Miss um, for 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 the listeners at home who've only picked up uh, Age of Sigmar, this is in the End Time series for the world that was. Yep. yep. So Aroloth, uh goes in with a group of of. His D and D buddies uh, <laughs> into the Garden of Nurgle, Nurgle to uh, to find something. I don't even remember what they went to find. And in that, they come across a large fellow, yeah. um, knightly fellow in in silver armor, yeah. um, who shoots things out of his hands, though. Yeah. But uh, the theory at the time was that it was a gray knight, and that there's a a forty k gray knight that has been Correct. stuck in the void. Um, yeah. I think it might have been Gardas, although this story does not tell us anything about that. Yeah. Well, no, I was just thinking that it was it, I. My, um, I think this was it, the, 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 the. You're right. The theory at the time was that this was Cal Rodrigo, who's the the grandmaster of the Grey Knights back in the 40k universe, and this was kind of more proof where it needed that somehow the Warhammer world and the Warhammer 40,000 world were were linked, but actually. What they've done here is completely scotched that and said, "Well, you know, here's a and well, and not scotched it. Here's another another possibility, and, and sure. I think this one is this one is appeals to me more. And the reason why that is 
is that it um, it sets up the idea that the warp or the the, the realm of chaos yeah. really doesn't care what time it is in the mortal realms. Um, and that, I think, is going to be crucial in understanding further a little down the line why, for example, why all these named characters that we have from the End Times books, um, you know, so you've got all the, the, the Glockin and um, uh, old Gutrot Spume, etc. why they were in the End Times and now why they're in the Mortal Realms. And then I think that's going to become really important understanding why some of the, I, I hope some of the, the Dwarven and the Elven heroes coming up um, when 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 they come out, so it's just important, I guess, to just to, to draw that out and, and bring attention to it. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see. So the second story um, found in um, the Galmaraz book opens up with him also um, with Gardas in the, the prologue is Gardas in the garden as well. And as we mentioned, actually, this is by also by Josh Reynolds, which yep. is kind of a nice thing. Like it ties, it means these characters are written consistently yep. across. And I know they, I'm sure they coordinate across people, but. Uh, yep. I appreciated that. It was yeah. nice to. Um, and so uh, he's in the garden. He's uh, tired, and he's got um, Balthrax behind him all the time, taunting him and speaking things and telling him. But he's also starting to see the faces of um, his patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was. Uh, we find out that in his uh, previous life, he was a healer, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that he had a, a lot of patients that were dying from the plague and trying to heal them in there. Their visages are popping out at him through the through the garden and asking him to to rescue them. Um, and then another thing happens. He sees uh, at the end of this the first story. He sees a light up ahead. Yeah. And he moves towards it. And at the beginning of the second um, story, um, he sees a, a image of a woman, um, glowing green eyes, blazing green eyes, and mm-hmm. a song and. And it's obviously um, some some form of Alarial. Yeah. Um, it doesn't say what she says. Here's something, whatever. But then he's running, running, running. But he finds himself. He's no longer in the Garden of Nurgle. He is back into Garand. Right. He's running towards this light. But the two things I want to mention yep. here. One, I love Balthrax taunting. The, I could listen to like Nurgle characters and Nurgle demons <laughs> talking all day. Like it's the best. Uh, <laughs> And, and two, this references. This is a don't game. tell Slanesh. You said that. <laughs> That's all right. It's, I don't even know where Slanesh is. He's not going to hear. So, so you're just going to yeah. go hang out with Nurgle. Yeah. Uh, but Mal, what, I, I'd be interested in your take on this. So this is this is yet another Lord Celestine who has returned. Their first assignment is back in the realm, fighting the same sort of folks that they fought before. So uh, Gardas, aka Garadin. This isn't the first time he's, he's encountered Nurgle and maybe even Balathrax. They end up having these like flashback visions. You know, what's what's going on here? Is it is it helpful, harmful? You know, is it intentional? It must be. What, it, well, what I think, think it must be intentional. I think it's and it, and it kind of plays back to what we were talking about when Sigmar has a plan. They don't they they don't necessarily understand it. They're just doing what they're told. So I I feel that um, Sigmar in his um, in his wisdom, he clearly knows where he got the, you know, his, he, I'm sure he has a big old file somewhere saying, yep, this yeah. is where he got these guys from. Um, so he, and he knows what they were, what they were um, faced with when, when they were plucked from the mortal realms to become strong cast eternals in the first instance. And I think there's a, yeah, it, there's a real, I think, it, yeah, of course, the, you know, there, the, the, this whole, the whole Stormcast crusade is all, you know, ultimately it's about reconquest. It's about vengeance and what better way to um, amplify people's fighting, you know, mm. spirit fighting power than to put them up against the 
the power that caused them to die and caused them to lose their families in the first place. So I think I think it's very deliberate on Sigmar's part. Yeah. No, I like what you said about vengeance. I had actually not thought about that specifically, but vengeance is like obviously a huge theme here with with um, Sigmar wanting revenge for getting kicked out of the mortal realms, basically all all but one of them. Uh, for sure. So it kind of it mirrors his his intent. Uh, not his... only kicked out, but they stole his ball. Yeah. Uh, so, Sorry. No. <laughs> Disrupted. Uh, combo breaker. Um, no, so, yeah, no, I know. I like where you're going with that. That makes sense to me. Anyway, I, I figured, because there's obviously some trade-off where they have, you know, they had that drive for vengeance, but also they end up having these kind of flashbacks where they're taken out of the action briefly or, you know, confused or sometimes, so... There's, there's a trade-off there. But anyway, so yes. So he Sorry, makes it back into the mortal realms. And, and something I didn't mention from the first book, but um, Lord Grulch talks about the other um, Nurgle um, oh, yeah. bosses, heroes, yeah. that are um, in the realm in Garan right now, kind of searching for Alarial. And they include no less than uh, Torglug the Despised, which I don't know if we've yeah, ever met him dude. before. He's, he's described exactly as the... Uh, as the Nurgle hero, plastic yeah. Hero so, and I think yeah. in in um, beneath the black thumb, also another. <laughs> so, I think that same guy yeah. with the axe is yeah. all over the place. Like he's the generic. Um, we've got Gutrot Spoom, who's the um, Blight King um, pirate guy, okay. um, the <laughs> yeah. King of, or what is it, the yeah, is. Lord of Tentacles. As we will talk, about, we'll talk about him. Uh, I'm sure as we go through the 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 the, uh, the, the rest of the story, but it's kind of yeah. It's, I don't I I don't remember him too much from the end times, which is when he when he when he arrived, but like his whole yo ho ho and a bottle of rum <laughs> kind of like chat yep. is it makes me it does make me make me smile. Well he had slightly the, it's overdone, but I like it. In yeah. the end times he had the best fight against Vlad. Um that was where he had the um kind of a really cool scene. Um but then the Glotkin is there, the three brothers Glot. Um and then Beast Lord Gluhawk. And Crater Blob. Yeah. So there's a there's quite a few um, named characters here that are um, searching for Alarial on Nurgle's behest. Hey, so um, let me, I was gonna say, let me ask you one thing, guys. How do you, I? I've always been really impressed with the way that they, the name characters, for Nurgle especially, have that kind of um, I don't know whether onomatopoeic is the right quality, but but they they sound Nurgly. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Sure. Yeah. No, I think naming like I was, I was <laughs> frustrated with Vermalax and couldn't pronounce his name. But I mean, name the names they come up with are pretty great. Um, even the even though loudest uh, or what was the oh, you guy loud, you're talking loudest about? storm thunder? Yeah. Oh, loudest, yeah, <laughs> loud ass, yeah, loud ass. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that the way they roll off your tongue make you want to vomit in your mouth a little bit. Um, so they do a really good job of that for sure. The the only thing that ever throws me out, and it hasn't happened in these, but I remember in previous books or uh, in in some other Black Library fiction, sometimes you'll encounter a character who's not yet been corrupted by Nurgle or something, but you look at the name, you're like, there's no way this guy is going to end up being, like, (laughs) (laughs) he's named, like, Blot Thrall or something. You're like, how is this guy not going to be Nurgle, you know? So so the most egregious example of that is Festus the Leech Lord. Oh yeah, like like and obviously Festus had a Festus had a before he became the Leech Lord. I'm pretty sure he was still called Festus. Yeah. Um, So like, yeah, how 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 was he ever not going to be horrible? Yeah, he was he was uh, he was doomed from the start there. Or or 
blessed. I don't know. Mom, yeah. <laughs> don't name me. You name me Festus? Doomed. So, uh, Gardas pops out of the realm gate. He and does. We don't find out what happens to him right we away. We don't find out what happens to him right away. But we uh, pop back, and Grim is now in um, in the realm, as is Morbus. Um, so um, I'm assuming, given that Gardas had uh, popped out, um, Sigmar uh, decided to send a few more reinforcements. Um, and uh, they're marching what they've decided to do. So in the realm of Garan, uh, I mean, again, what we didn't talk about too is the description of the land. I mean, rocks have boils. Um, the the land is is marshy and and pustuly. Um, there's insects of all kinds pouring out of things. The the flowers are fleshy rather than you know and and oozing and sweating and bleeding and uh, vomiting and so like everything is just disgusting. And then on top of that. Um, there's a what's called the dirge horn, yeah, which is this uh, horn of a giant beast that's been hollowed out, and basically you can hear it in all over the realm, and even in the Garden of Nurgle. It is just that loud and and gross, and it's been blessed in such a way that it just wears and tears and plays with the mind. Um, and uh, the group assembled in Garden. It's kind of like it's just absence. like a Justin Bieber record. <laughs> baby, just, yeah, baby, just on infinite repeat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so the the assembly uh, left in Gardas's absence is going to go and uh, destroy the Dirgehorn because there's no way they're getting any work done yep. while the dude in the next cubicle keeps blaring his rock and roll. Yeah. So, well, what was it especially cool about this? What I this is one of the things I marked for for uh, talking about is the. Uh, the dirgehorn it's it's so wearing even on these stormcasts who are you know immune to a whole lot of things uh some of them are just like giving they're they're like i i want to give up i'd rather i'd rather go home and feel like please reforge me i'm done like i it, that that weakness made them more appealing as as uh characters to read about for me so um, um and so they're marching towards it and they're trying to you know they find their way you know there they um find a kind of place for a little bit of reprieve um, while they scout out and they find out that the Dirgehorn is being uh, guarded by a uh, beast herd. Um, and specifically, uh, let's see, that this is the, what is that guy's name? Gulak. Gulak. Yeah. So Gluhak. the Lord. Yeah. Glu, yeah, yeah. Gluhak. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Gluhak. Gluhak and his Dirgehorn. I think you have to have a voice box of a goat to pronounce it correctly. So. <laughs> I happen to have that. Here. Oh, all right. Weird. Um, uh, so it's and, – and the horn is curled around a hag tree, which is uh, – there's um, noosed corpses and, uh, and, and spiked cages dangling from it. Um, and, uh, and they're just there waiting. They know that the Stormcast have to come through them, and so they're just waiting for them. Um, big battle there. Um, I think we get a uh, cool battle or fight between Grim and Gutrot Spume. Yep. Uh, which is <laughs> yeah, exactly. A vast me hearties, etc. Et <laughs> um, and uh, uh, by the way, Grim, the Lord Castellant, has a um, Griff Hound yeah. named Talon. Yeah. Which we find out later is afraid of heights. Yeah. <laughs> uh, though they have a head of an eagle, they don't have yeah. the wings, so they're sure. Uh, you know. Not quite up on that. 
Maybe that's why he couldn't he couldn't ride the lightning down because his um his dog wouldn't get no damn helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> Probs. So they go ahead and uh, you know while they're fighting and stuff, um, Turgus, the prosecutor of the Hallowed Knights, manages to uh, get past and put a crack into the horn, which turns it into a squeal, um, and they uh, win the day. Yeah. Um, and they turn around and they see a um, a war glade. Which I love. I, I do like the naming in a lot of these. Um, the hand of uh, the queen, um, the war glade, um, or what is it? Lady of Vines, war hand of the radiant queen. Mm-hmm. Um, they had found. They are charging towards where um, Grim and uh, Zephycles are by the Dirgehorn, and so this, you know, the they're poised for this attack. Um, but as they get closer, they see that there's a, a kind of a, a throne or a chair of vines and stuff, and Gardas is uh, is in it. Yeah. So they had found him um, coming out of the the guard of Nurgle and have carried him back to his uh, his mates. Now, when he actually popped out of the guard of Nurgle, he did didn't he land? He landed like right in the middle of a Skaven versus Sylvaneth battle, uh, and turned the tide of that solo. Like he he went and. You know, murderized after after how I don't know how an eternity or weeks or days or hour long running through the garden of Nurgle he came out and he was yep. still a killing machine so yep. well and actually to that point um, in this next exchange they talk about that a little bit he thinks he's been gone for weeks mm-hmm. they say but he's been gone for no more than a couple of days so um, that back to chaos having uh, no daylight savings and no clocks <laughs> yeah. um, so um, but they're you know suspicious. They don't know what's going on. Um, Grimn is a little like, what's going on? Everybody's not sure. Yeah. How did You're, this even there's happen? No way you made it back. Oh. Yep. Um, but then they get down. They they get uh, they get enough, uh, I guess, evidence, or they see it in his eyes. Mm-hmm. That must be Gardas. And then they get down to business. And supposedly from that that what we get, see is a brief interaction with Hilarial and you know the taunting from Bolothrax. He's come away with some knowledge yeah. that he knows, and and even overhearing the the war glade, the the Sylvaneth as they're carrying him, he knows what to do next. He, he wants to, to he wants to beat feet to the uh, splinter of the of the world tree, right? I don't. It's huge. Yeah, whatever it is, it's gigantic. So even if it's just a splinter, it's gigantic. Um, and uh, yep. So where that is from that tree, the Oak of Ages passed. Which in the old world um, was where Alarial mm-hmm. used to live. Yep. Right deep down in the roots underneath it. Yeah, there was, uh, that was one of the more confusing. This is why I hate elves. There was Ariel Whoa. and Alariel and. Hate such a strong the, word. Well, it's the true word. Uh, they, they ended up becoming the same person at some point during the end times. But yeah, regardless, it was this real pivotal. Uh, pivotal location in the world that yep. was and uh, it's nice to see that little callback here yep. so from the from its roots springs a uh, river the river vitalis mm-hmm. um, and um, which kind of feeds the whole realm of life-giving waters and uh, plop down right in the middle of that as if it were a personal uh, spring and toilet <laughs> Is uh, one of the largest great unclean ones. So this would be a super great unclean one, probably. Super duper yeah. great unclean. It's like a big. It's like a big BD. It's the it's the Forge World great unclean one, right? <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. 
This Mole is uh, resin. Oh, bidet. Did you? Did you? Wow. I was I was searching for that word, but I didn't want to have a lot of dead air while I tried <laughs> to think. Wow. Nice. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, he's over in the UK. Super European. That's yeah. regular there. That's, <laughs> no do you have one in your home? No. Like, I, <laughs> I think I, no. A bidet is not a standard installation in the bathrooms over here. No. <laughs> uh, Maybe in France. Yeah. I, I, I think it is. I think it's more of a French thing. Uh, the clues in the name. No. There was there was some in in uh, in Spain, um, but you also had uh, public restrooms where you just had to squat. So tune in next week for our review no on all the Wait, public which, restrooms. How, which, which century are you talking about? Right no, now? So <laughs> totally, they'd have you'd get on the train and you would travel, um, and they'd have stops. And if you needed to use the restroom, it was just a little drain to squat over. <laughs> Yeah. Are you sure you weren't just taking a crap in, like, in a dream? <laughs> the, there was a line. Like, there was a line outside of the room. Next door, like just wait. <laughs> there was a line outside the room that had the drain. So it, I wasn't of, the only one more, who was fooled. Full of more clueless Americans, or were they? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're probably on some Spanish reality show. There's there was there was uh, traction tape on either side of this thing. I mean. Well, like was, sk- like grip tape, skateboard grip. Yeah, tape. so your feet didn't slip when you're. <laughs> anyway, so, so they so they you were you were exactly for you to stand. I was to get the best. I was angle exactly where I was supposed to be. This is all good, fellas. This is gold. This, you know. <laughs> it's appropriate. Yeah. It is appropriate. Anyway, <laughs> so they know that they need to get to um, this place to to kill Poopa Grotes yeah. uh, at the mouth of the River Vitalis, coming out of the yeah. Oak of Ages past. And uh, Grimm's not so sure. He right. thinks uh, Gardas has probably taken a few too many um, uh, vomits to the face yeah, or yeah, something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, puffs of the, the, the Nurgle, Nurgle <laughs> magic uh, yeah. dust. Um, and so he's a little, he's a little wary. Yeah. But, but Gardas is sure. Um, so they uh, get some help from the, um, the tree spirit. Um, not only the um, Sylvaneth. But later, uh, so now there's, uh, how to put it, the book kind of fast forwards and talks about how then over the next kind of few days, they take out some of the forces of like Gut Rot Spoon. They take on um, a few of these other, uh, I don't think they they take out Torglug's stuff, but they they kind of come across a few battles and they they send a lot of these Nurgle heroes running. Yeah. Yeah. But they have have a really cool... um, uh, scrap with Morbidex twice born. Yes, who's like the, who um, who is uh, he's basically he. If we go back into his um, into his backstory, he he was like a a warrior that essentially got like not eaten by a bunch of nurglings, but he basically he basically be, became a, a, a big nurgling, um, and, and so has has the the power to command lots of these little guys. And he it talks really it talks about how he was trying to set up an ambush. Um, on the Fen Road for which is chapter seven in the book about the um, he's going to try and get all the Nurglings to attack all at once and he spent hours and hours and hours days explaining to these crazy little um, like I don't know I, I, yeah, Nurglings how best to describe them crazy little toad puppies um, that what he was uh, what he wanted to do and then it all it all just went to rack yeah. and, um, and then he got into a big fight and then he was saved by his. Um, his, what are they called, Davy? What those big um, the Ma- Magoth? Is that right? Magoth. Magoth. Yeah. yeah, he was saved by his Magoth triple tongue when yep. he was fighting um, Tegris, and then eventually he uh, 
he he gets brought he he, he wants to run away but the the Glock can um kind of um phone him up using their psychic powers. Yeah. yeah. Yet another character that makes me want to run a Nurgle army, Morbidex, just fun to read. Yeah. No, yeah, and I think it's it's really cool how they flesh these out, and and later on you get three of the different Magath lords, and each of them has kind of a different personality that you kind of get out of this, yeah. um, that they talk about, and uh, also the relationship between the Magath and what the Magath is, and yeah. you know, part oh. ape, part uh, um, slug, part whatever, but uh, a temperament to beat them all, kind of thing. And, yeah, you know, and they like there's genuine affection for you know like when Morbidex is talking to his uh, triple tongue. Yeah. Well, this is definitely a different thing to think about too with Nurgle, where we've been reading a lot about corn, and corn is rage yeah. and does not care from where the blood flows. Like, turn on each other, kill each other, it doesn't matter. And not that the Nurgle heroes are any friendlier with each other, but there's a certain amount of, you know, if you're not in a direct competition with me, I love you, man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of, you know, just love of life. There's a joy, there's a thrill, there's a, you know, there's a uh, elation. But which makes sense because actually Nurgle, um, it's it's a different type of life, but they're all about prolonging life. I mean, they don't they're they're not trying to. They're, people might yeah ultimately people might die, but and but they're always going to come back and be a zombie or or be reanimated and oh, yeah. live forever because they because they're you know full of you know, Nurgle's Nurgle's power. So it makes it it makes perfect sense that they. Um, they're a bit more. They're more good natured. I think, you know, we we. Have, I'm sure at some stage in the future we'll do like a, a breakdown or a comparison of all the chaos gods, maybe. But, oh, yes. but I think Nurgle's probably my favorite because yeah, because they are the most relatable. Yeah. Yep. Love it. Yeah, that's what I've been, I've been saying here. So, but then the uh, so the Stormcast find themselves. Uh, they know where they want to go. Yep. But uh, they've now got some help from Spites because they came in and, yep. and helped out with that. Um, but uh, uh, the Glotkin have successfully sort of rallied the Nurgle forces, pulled them back into a really tight cordon. They kind of have a sense of where the Stormcasts are going. And now the Stormcasts are like, oh, man, like there is a solid wall of Nurgle from that is to, a That is a thing, wall of yeah, Nurgle. The wall of Nurgle. Uh, how are we going to get by it? How would you get by it, Mel? Um, uh, I feel like I'm... Wrong answer. You know this. No, how, you know how, this. What's the best way? How do you do it? Lasso a flying island. <laughs> oh yeah, the flying island, of course. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, so they're led to a place. Uh, Tergus goes ahead and finds um, a place. They climb and climb and climb. Arborea. Arborea, yeah. um, which is, um, they, it's kind of a ruined city. So it's a giant tree that has like stones up in it. And, yeah, a giant and Ewok buildings. ruined city. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, but then near it are some floating islands. So they climb up the big tree, and then there's just mist all around, and mm-hmm. they they take the the last crusade leap of faith. Yeah, um, and because uh, we got to reference a movie, every <laughs> time. <laughs> and so Grim's like, Ugh, and he's got uh, Talon, his uh, Griffhound, tied to his chest. That oh guy's yeah, bulking right. out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he lands and slips off, and or and uh, Gardas helps him back up. And, Cliffhanger moment. Yep. And so they get on this island, and. Uh, it rains, putrid rain. Um, Morbus, is this where he? No, yep. this isn't where he goes crazy. That's later. Right. But he just he lets lightning go. He brings his own storm. It cleans up the putrid rain, 
which somehow is keeping that. Uh, well, the island actually like shudders in resp- like it, yep. it's grateful in response, and then they so, call out. So there's a like, living being yeah. inside of yeah. of the of this island. The, the, uh, the, these are the these islands are called like the they're not called the Al- Albion or something. Ta- Talbion, Albion yeah, with a T. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a callback to the Albion of the um, of the old world. Sure. I, I thought. Um, and you know, so, so it, if, you know, if, if you were going to have if you were going to have part of a world that was all it was all wrecked, you know, it's quite um, reasonable that it'd be sitting around in, in in chunks floating in the sky. I mean, yeah. no, no, in all seriousness, it would be that that would be the, the remnants of it. Yeah. That they got to jump onto, and I always liked that because that was the um, that was the part of the, the the old world that was supposed to represent the UK. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, and so it's floating over, and there was a cool moment here where uh, I think it flashes back to Morbidex, who looks up, and he he, he even has a moment of awe, like, "Wow, you know," he's like, oh, it "Sucks, Stormcaster getting past us, but man, look at that thing." There's like, well, we, I don't we think we'll at never that point, see it's like again, right? At that point, I don't think they know the Stormcaster on there. Oh, okay, they're looking up at it like, "Wow." Floating yeah. Island, that's yeah. pretty cool. And a couple other people were like, wow, wow. And then Gut Rot Supreme was like, um, the Stormcaster on there. Uh, we And we know where they're going or whatever. Yep. So um, everyone's, yeah, so this thing's floating. It's cool. And uh, Gut Rot Supreme has an idea. And all of the, the Nurgles are, are in this like big. right? So, yeah, Glotkin have a, are kind of running then, galloping, charging towards um, uh, where the world pimples <laughs> world, <laughs> the world pimples which is uh, uh where it's nurgle... a unique modeling opportunity is what it is <laughs> so if you go down to hobby lobby and you get a uh, half sphere <laughs> anyway um so they they're galloping towards this place i'm gonna make have... one I'm, I'm i'm calling it now i'm gonna make a i'm gonna make a world pimple i'm excited that. for this i could do it pretty easy yeah it better Stand not just be it for a close future up. episode <laughs> Awesome, and so uh, they gallop towards uh, where the that the giant um, great unclean one is at the river Vitalis, um, and there's the giant world purple between um, where they're at and that that river, and they go to they have a plan and can anybody guess what that plan is? Anybody? It's gross. They pop the world pimple, and uh, nothing nothing will bring a flying island down like a big yeah dose of. Pimple pus. Yeah, so um, uh, Glotkin, yeah. the big one, yeah. wraps his arms around it and just squeezes <laughs> And it. Um, so this also, there's there's a bunch of plague drones that have been um, tossed up into the air to yep. try and fight them and that sort of thing. And then he pops a world pimple. It hits the, the bottom of the island and it sticks. And it starts affecting the living creature or the, the life force inside the floating <laughs> island. And it starts to I, – I would assume just getting sick yeah. and dying. And so the island starts crumbling and falling and falling and falling. And uh, there's an air battle with yep. the prosecutors and the drones and the – So I remember reading about this in the campaign book and being like, ah, yep, the island comes down. Reading in the novel, it was actually – it was a pretty intense scene. Like it was pretty cool. Like the island's coming apart as on the way down and prosecutors are in midair battle and trying to rescue – liberators as they fall and i i uh i get you know you can get a little i don't know inured to some of the action sequences in these because there is a lot of like here's a fight yeah. scene here's a fight scene but i i found this one pretty good speaking of that too i mean yeah these books certainly give a grandeur to everything that's going on that you don't always get on the battlefield and and um 
you know, try to figure out ways to, to put there. There's one where they're talking about them, the Stormcast marching in columns. And they've, you've got three forces here. They're marching in columns while all the prosecutors of all three storm hosts are flying up above and soaring. And I just, you know, you just think of like the the army and the air force, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, yeah. marching and flying together. It seems just so huge that you know, when on the table, those prosecutors are only a few more inches off the ground than the other ones. You almost like, oh, can I have you guys? Have you guys seen uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron? Yes. The movie isn't there, no, I'm baby's like, not. no spoilers. Right. There's there's a bit where they where someone they lift up like a whole big chunk of the city, yep. and then they're having a big fight around it. That, that's that, that's what this reminded me of. Definitely, yeah. So this, yeah, and this this island, this island's coming down. And while the world pimple um, idea was was a good one, it worked right. <laughs> and and Glockland should be you know patting himself on his back with his weird yeah. tentacle thing. But how dumb would he have felt if that thing had hit? Um, the, landed on people grotesque. on grotesque. <laughs> I mean, it was that close, wasn't it? It came down into the close, the, yeah. the lower part of the water right below him, sprayed up stuff everywhere. There's a mist. There's yeah. sludge. You know, or whatever. Um, and uh, pupil grotesque is a little peeved about that, um, and he he takes out his flail. Well, and we don't know. It, it slams the ground. We don't see a ton of blue lightning shoot out or anything, showing that it killed all the stormcast, but they're nowhere to be found. Um, it's just Torgus and another liberator, or a, and a liberator. Like, hey, we're it's just us. And Torgus is like, all right, we got this. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's like, we'll take him down. Um, uh, plague bearers come out of the water, trying to you know, yep. and kill the liberator. Whoops. And so Torgus gets and starts getting drawn down into the water. They're all over him, and then uh, Gardas c- comes and saves him. Yep. And it's uh, time to go to business. And uh, Pupa Grotesque is uh, stands up. He's probably been sitting there for a thousand years, pooping in that thing. <laughs> uh, he finally stands up and uh, takes his big flail out, and he's ready to 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 beat some stuff. Yeah, and then what happens? I'm 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 looking at I'm I'm just I'm I'm distracted by the notes that you wrote for this, Eric, which is fight with the great <laughs> sure. unclean one. Morris uses lightning and it explodes. <laughs> Who's Morris? Did I get this wrong? Like Morbus. Morbus. So um, Morbus. Okay. So, like, so Mor- Gardas Morris? is there. He helps Targus out. <laughs> Morris. <laughs> and then uh, Morbus shows up, and Grim shows up, and uh, Gardas. And we see, first time we see Gardas and Morbus, and we don't see them a lot together through this whole thing. But he Gardas does say um, Morbus. They have the relationship where. Morbus just knows exactly what Gardas needs him to do at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, and really what happens is, is Morbus just takes down uh, Pupa Grotesque. And uh, they describe it as when he, gets, when he gets going, when he see him at the height of his you know, power where he's using you know, whatever, um, he, uh, he just it's – a, it's a sight to see. Yeah. So he's just calling down lightning and uh, Pupa Grotesque explodes <laughs> yeah. uh, into a gazillion pieces. Well, and he's helped out with the fact that uh, apparently when Bolothrax was taunting Gardas as he's running, uh, Bolothrax somehow told Gardas the the real name of Pupa Grotesque. Yeah. So uh, Gardas knows the true so, name of Pupa Grotesque, which is a very powerful thing for a demon. I'm like, which I didn't know that was a thing in the in the Warhammer lore. That's mm-hmm. that's like you know you think of like Rapunzel and some yeah. other stories where yeah. knowing the true name of something. Gives you power over it. Yeah, sounds like that's. Is that been true in past lore, or is yeah, that, definitely, yeah, definitely, for sure, yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, so Bolithrax, you're bad. You uh, you kind of boned that one. 
Um, all right. So pubic growth test goes down, water clears instantly, and uh, now it's time for Gardas to reveal another thing he learned while in the Garden of Nurgle, which is that the whole time with uh, Nurgle for thousands of years has been trying to, I don't know, thousands of years, for a very long time has been has been trying to find where Alario and the Hidden Vale are. Hidden Vale is was underneath pubic grotesque, like all the way under the water. So they have to, again, kind of a uh, leap of faith, you know, and this is the, this is only the faithful and they got to have faith. They go, they step into the water, you know, instead of drowning themselves, they drop into the hidden veil. Yeah. So um, here they, yeah. So now they're in the, in the hidden veil and what they see is an absolutely pristine, untainted version of what Gran would have looked like a thousand years ago. Um, before Nurgle took notice in, in the Age of Chaos. Um, it's beautiful. And they look into the horizon and I think Grimm sees like a, a tree city. And it's so far away, but it's so gigantic. He can't even – He know, he's like, I don't know who that was made for, but not for men. Like that's not a city for men. Who would that have been for? Um, and the trees have a, a glow to them, uh, you know, that they're just – and. Um, so the first question in my head is, wow, a realm within a realm? And it, it likened me to um, the audiobooks where we're in Shyish and there's a there's inside of Shyish, which is a realm, there's gates to the underworld, which would be, again, a kind of this feeling of a realm inside of a realm. Um, uh, and so we're in there and, and Targus goes on ahead and he sees this kind of grove that has these stones with carvings around them. Um, and he says, hey, that's where we're going to go. And Gardas is like, that's where we're going to go. It's as good a place to start looking for Alariel. So they see this um, glade and they go to this this grove and there's um, rocks all around it, markings and that sort of stuff, magical, not like anything they've seen in, in Garan or anywhere else. So they go over to it and they realize that it's likely a trap of some sort or something unknown. And Grimm is like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go uh, into it. And Talon's like, you know, going to come after with me. He says, you know, don't go. You know, it's, hey, this could be a trap. And so he goes on his own and he's like, Gardas, aren't you going to try and stop me? And he's like, could I stop you? <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm, you know, and he references their relationship too where um, Gardas is chosen by Sigmar to be the sword, whereas uh, Grimm is the shield. Um, and so this is what the shield has to do. He's got to take the blow, you know, and that sort of thing. So he goes in. Um, and uh, springs the trap. Yeah. Um, thorns. Yeah. Builds in gazillion thorns. Sylvaneth comes swarming out, and they are full on attacking the uh, Stormcast, and uh, all out war. And you're like, oh man, like because Sylvaneth were fighting on their side earlier. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that was how. Didn't you guys get the the memo? Yeah. What is up? And uh, Gardas does say like shields only. Uh, but this, there are stormcast dying. Like there are lightning strikes going back up yep. to Azir. There's there's stormcast going down. They're not pulling punches, right? And it, yeah, yeah. The, uh, and it's the same. And it's he. Um, so he, and Gardas recognizes the same branch wraith, the Lady of the Vines, and she's she's about to um, kill Grim, or, or and yeah. uh, and, you know, and he sort of like challenges her and says, like, "Why are you doing this?" Yeah, and she, she uh, and, and at this point she points behind him, right? Like, look behind you, and they turn around and just tumbling down the side of the veil. It's all all the forces of Nurgle just pouring in Glotkin yeah, and Glotkin and Spoom yeah. and Varmalax and and uh, this is this is the uh, Stormcast kind of showed him the way. Yep. Nurgle's Oops. been looking forever, and oh yeah, 
are bad. So, um, and so uh, in 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 response to that, Alariel wakes up. Uh, she reprimands them a bit, says idiots, but it's also exactly what they needed her to do. They needed her to wake up, get into the fight and, and she does. Yeah. Um, and so, um, we get a battle now. Um, and we're, we're not going to spoil the whole thing here. We've been talking a little bit about wanting to leave a little bit in these stories for you guys. If you're going to go and read this, these books, we don't want to spoil the whole thing. Um, but uh, she certainly shows herself as a goddess um, in this space. There's there's no um, matching her for, yeah. for power. Um, but there is a um, Turgus who we've seen through this whole time. Yeah, um, just be a amazing you know warrior and you know head of the pack kind of thing. Um, uh, there's a um, Gracier yeah. who shoots thirteenth uh, at. Yeah, it doesn't describe it as such, but oh, you can kind of read, read between the lines. It's, it's the dreaded thirteenth. Do you, do you see this, Mel? Uh, yes, when he when he when they turn him into, it sounds like he he basically gets turned into a rat. Yeah, it's one of the gnarliest stormcast fates in in the uh, book so far, and uh, so he gets he gets hit by. So the he spell. dives in yep. in the path of the spell to yep. save Alariel, yep. and um, his body starts changing and contorting. His wings are turned to uh, leather and flesh um, instead of the lightning. It's, yeah, and super as it, super yeah, and he hits the ground as his new bones are forming, and they just all shatter. <laughs> yeah. And so his lung, he's he's breathe, he can barely breathe, and he's just this pile on the ground of this rat pile. Uh, he's been turned this this amazing warrior has been disgraced and turned into this uh, skaven bat thing. Yeah, um, but then. Alariel managed to uh, make her way over, and there's, there's an interest. You don't, you're not very clear what the fate is. So he's, he's got. Uh, she's not. She's kind of like, well, that was dumb. No, Doesn't she, she say that? Uh, she, she's talking to the, uh, she's talking to the vermin lord at that oh, okay. point. Like, uh, take, yeah. takes the vermin, and lord then she, and she kills the vermin lord by chucking a, an yeah. acorn at him. Which he, which yeah. he foolishly, yeah. foolishly eats. She, but then she, <laughs> yeah. she shoves it in Delicious. his mouth yeah. clo- and closes it, and uh, a tree springs inside yeah. of him. But I, but I know what you're getting at here, Davy, which is that that the Alariel just says to Turgus, "You sleep now and forevermore, son of Sigmar." And then the light light fades up, and, and then Turgus doesn't has a bit of pain, and then nothing. I mean, so is she? So I guess the question is: Is she putting him out of his misery, or is she t- turning him back into whatever? I, I was more along the lines of that, you know, that she she was kind of uh, giving him the the coup de gras, you know, put, yeah, yeah, very much, very much making doing, sure it didn't doing hurt that, anymore. and uh, not even sure if he gets reforged. I don't know, you know, who knows when when she gets at you? Maybe maybe come back as a tree or something. I don't know. So, uh, oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, we don't know if she's if he's reforged. I I would say he's probably not. Yeah, I, don't I mean know. he's. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking no. I'm thinking this is the first stormcast that we see completely ended. No, not. Oh the no, first. no. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. We got Yaktos. Yaktos. Yaktos yeah. is uh, no longer golden mane. Yeah. So Yaktos yeah. and Turgus. Um, so, uh, um, and now Lariel's in the fight. Um, and uh, we definitely. These are. What did you guys think of these as as just reads? Um, the first book didn't cover as much things. But it did a little bit more character development in that first book. 
the second book had so many characters. Um, but you got to know a little bit, and, and it was a it was a pretty interesting adventure to go on. Uh, I enjoyed it. Like I've said a bunch of times, I, I what I particularly enjoyed was not only did you have interesting interactions between the uh, characters on the Stormcast side, but the Nurgle side. There's a couple times where they kind of conference or where they're talking amongst themselves, and those were those were enjoyable. So it was nice to, uh, it, you know, I was almost. Uh, I'd say I often was enjoying those parts more than I was, you know, the action scene. Not that the action sequences were bad, but um, no, and there were some good descriptions of combat and fighting, and you know, Turgis versus um, Spume and and that sort of stuff that were kind of cool. But yeah, the seeing the the relationships and the infighting and the you know how they regarded each other and that's yeah, I I agree, I agree definitely both of you. The I I I almost um, sometimes like fast forward through the fighting the fight scenes because they're. They're, they're they're well written, but there there are a lot of them, and the same sort of things seem to happen. And it's the it's the character development that, that in the conversations, which is the what I what I enjoy um, particularly. Mm-hmm. And I think there, there were some strong characters here. You know, you had some Gar Gardas um, was good, Grim was good, um, Zephyrcles good, Targus awesome character. But then, but ultimately, I don't think anything could really hold a candle to the um, to to, to the uh, the Nurgle guys. So we definitely encourage uh, if you haven't read this, uh, even if you're hearing our uh, recap of it, you know, pick it up, um, get a sense of the world, and especially the descriptions of of Garan as it stands, just infested by Nurgle. This, this was a, this is another good example of you read through the campaign book and you say you get some sense of what's going on, and it, you, there's actually parts where you're like I don't I'm not clear on how you know we got from A to C. I don't see where B was, and then when you read the novel, you're like oh. Got it. I'm, I'm on track there. So if you if you are reading the campaign book and you want to have some of those details filled in for you, then that's a it's a good place to go. But I think we uh, we have storied it almost to death here, right? So should we uh, proceed on to the hero phase? It's a great idea. The hero phase. In the hero phase, we turn our attention to those of you who want to get started in the Age of Sigmar or share this game with your friends. So here's what we thought we'd do uh, this time around. Um, we wanted to look at, um, especially you know here in the holiday season, that sort of thing. If you had a friend or somebody you knew that was thinking about getting into the game, what would be our suggestion for... An easy way to get into it. Yeah, if you get on one of these uh, forums, one of the most common threads you see is, hey, I'm thinking about, I've got the itch to start. Where do I start? Uh, how do I get started? Or, you know, you can also, like you said... You, if got, you, the, somebody... you got the itch from hanging out with Slanesh too long, buddy. <laughs> or Nurgle or both. A little, little uh, combo. All, yeah. all, all included, yeah. And what's, what's really great about Age of Sigmar is that you can start at any level. Um, you can buy a single box and... And get into the game and have some fun. Yeah. Um, obviously, complexities come with more things. So, our what we wanted to do is kind of each suggest from this reading. If you were to start an, a new army today, what would be your kind of purchase? What would you buy? And we hope you know these are helpful for you. Um, maybe talking with somebody else. So, what'd you get, Mel? Uh, okay, so no surprise uh, based on what we talked about in the story phase. Um, I I decided to go for something kind of um, nurgly, and like Eric said, one of the cool things about Age of Sigmar is that because there are no um, there's no minimum or well there's, there's you know the, the, the there's no 
minimum number of points that you need to really play a game. So you can just pick up some models that you think are awesome and um, then start playing a game with them. So my idea would be to um, pick a like a Nurgle um, hero. So for example, like Torglug, um, the Despoiler, yeah. which is uh, you could easily represent by the Lord of Plagues model, um, which is a single single blister pack. Um, is nine pounds in the UK, so I'm guessing uh, somewhere in fifteen, sixteen dollars US. Um, I'm not sure. And then, but then to go along with him, I would suggest maybe some uh, a box of Putrid Blight Kings. You know, nice. So that's only you know that's, there's only what five five models in that uh, box set, but it's actually it's it's super customizable. There are loads of loads and loads of modeling options in there, and you know uh, a lot of fun painting options too and you would have straight away there you've got like a, a, a cool little warband of your your blight kings um and your your, your hero if you didn't like Tor, uh, the plague lord or or Torglug, you could you could easily go for gut rot spume um so the, yeah. the blight kings box is 33 pounds 50 so i'm guessing that's going to be somewhere just north of 50 dollars uh, us yep. is that right yeah does that sound, does that sound correct yeah yep. So you're so you're looking at sixty, I guess sixty sixty five seventy ish dollars for. I mean, and that's don't get me wrong, that's a lot of money for for six models. Um, but those are those are really cool models. They have pretty good rules, so you know they're you're, you're not going to get turned over. Uh, loads of modeling options, fun to paint. Um, that's where I would start if I was. If, in fact, you know if. You know, I will have to try hard not to do exactly that over the holidays. Actually, yeah, I'm on board with that. You know, those Blight Kings. They, you say, like even five years ago, any one of those could have been like the most amazing character model you'd seen in a long time. You know, so if, yep. if you're going to do six, that's a that's a really nice nice one to do. How about you, Davey? What would you do? So we also saw a lot of Beastmen in here. Uh, I, I put together something on that, and actually we've seen a lot of beastmen in. If if you uh, you guys aren't as as uh, read up as I am, but they they continue to pop up, so you you can feel confident that they have a presence in Age of Sigmar. I went with the uh, Beastman Battalion uh, in very cool. Yep, and ninety bucks there. It's uh, got twenty gore, ten ungore, ten bestigor, and then uh, for another fifteen, you get yourself a uh, Bray Shaman. So for just over uh, just over a hundred bucks, you've got forty-one models, and it's a it's a real good core. It gets you, uh, it's a it's a usable force, quite sizable. And then uh, from there, you can plug in monsters, the uh, uh, you know whatever whatever takes your fancy. But it, it's uh, it seems to me it added up some nice nice usability, some good synergy between the Bray Shaman. He, his spell he can't cast unless he's got a monster, but he can cast your uh, your uh, shield and bolt, and he. He gives uh, Bray Herd's uh, bonus just by being near him, gives, lets him move, and Gores uh, appreciate being near a Bray Herd character. So there's in- some in-game advantages. I, I like the models myself, and uh, and you're actually uh, well on your way to the Furious Bray Herd uh, uh, War Scroll uh, War Scroll Battalion. So it, it seemed uh, that was a there's a real good value as far as a uh, per model count um, and uh, something usable on the table. So, so for me. Um, I've always wanted to have a uh, Sylvaneth army. Um, I have all of one tree men, um, and I've painted them up like a like a birch. birch. Yeah. Um, but uh, if if it wasn't, you know, the tree men itself is a is a little spendy. I think it's around let's see, sixty dollars. So that, that's a big chunk to have it leading an army right away. But the 
um, Sylvaneth Dryad uh, box is pretty fantastic. I mean, it's a it's a lot of trees, but they're just really cool models. Um, if you like that kind of aesthetic, that kind of creature, your whole army of just creatures. Um, and um, if you wanted to be a little bit more on the cheap, you get 16 in one box for $40, uh, which is pretty cool. They're on 32s. They're a little bit bigger. Um, and then uh, you can either get a branch wraith for $15 um, or you can model one of the um, dryads that comes in the box to be kind of the leader. And, and achievable uh, with conversions. Yep. Which you can go online and find a lot of that. So for a for a Sylvanus dryads for $41, you can get 15 uh, regular troops and then take one of them and make them a, a general. And, and in Age of Sigmar, any model can be a general. But if you can convert it to a branch wraith being very recognizable, you start getting some of those synergies and boosts and buffs and that sort of stuff. And so you kind of get into the fun of the game. Um, but and and you know what's you know the modeling on on these uh, the painting of the dryads is super easy too, which I think is really good That's for new point. players. Um, you know you get a couple of uh, you spray it black, you spray it you know lightly brown in a, in a few places, and then you wash it with something um, or dry brush it with something a little lighter, and you've you've got a really cool looking uh, the, stuff. The the branch wraith model is um, it's a little PG thirteen. Yeah, it's true. It's I, a good point. <laughs> I I didn't I didn't. Is that so? Is that a new? Is that a new model? When did they, when? No, did, that's Draka. Is that ah uh, okay? That's yeah. some, oh, some yeah. It's old, those are twirls. There's not nipples there. Yeah, no, definitely. That's I mean, it's cool. It's a, it's a cool model, but it's it's definitely it's older school GW than um than than the stuff they've been coming out with now. I mean, again, we talked about it before. Like, it's it's absolutely fine to have like pus-ridden, horrible wounds open, people being beaten to death with their buddies' heads, but it's just not cool to have anything that could be construed as a, a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> yeah, right. So anything that to add, I was surprised uh, that, that we didn't go with like a uh, um, Magoth Lord and then a just, just a bunch of Nurglings uh, to be a Morbidex army. Yeah, Morbidex. Because uh, they had done, I don't know if it's still up on there, but they, for a while, because there's the one battle scroll that's the uh, Deluge of Nurgle, and it's Morbidex plus a bunch of, uh, plus a bunch of Nurglings. I think he's some Blight Kings in there, but yeah. that, that'd be a fun one too. Uh, yeah. So those are all, again, if you, if you got someone who read through these stories, was excited about one of, you know, some of the forces that were represented here. Um, I think we steered away from Stormcast because there's the obvious of the of the starter set, so we went with some of the other three. Or if you just want to have a force on hand, so if somebody wants to try it out, you can say, "Check it out." You know, we're gonna we're gonna run this uh, thing right out of right out of Gates of Dawn or or War in the Hidden Vale. So give you something to set up with uh, someone new or get someone started. For sure. Yeah. So speaking of. Uh, war in the jungles uh let's uh let's talk to mal a little bit in the hobby phase here the hobby phase in the hobby phase we want to stoke the flames of creativity for hobbyists and find shortcuts and easy entry points for new gamers so last week uh in the show we um kind of just learned that Mal has a pretty fantastic uh, uh, forest board, and we've been able to see pictures of that uh, since that. And uh, it's it's really cool. It looks like a, a pretty fantastic board to play on. So um, we're in the we're in Garan. Um, obviously, your board does not. You're going to build a world pimple, 
for your board <laughs> yeah. uh, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, but why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your forest board, what the inspiration was, um, and how you went about creating it. Cool. So why did I build this board? Um, I think I started putting it together when I got when I was building my lizard man um, army or seraphon army uh, now because I wanted to have a, a themed ish tale um, but I also wanted to I wanted to I wanted it to be useful for playing 40k on as well um, so it was something that was uh, that, that majored on 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 plants and trees rather than any particular building uh, because buildings can you know, the, obviously, forty k buildings don't work with um, or didn't work with Warhammer, and vice versa. So that was that was the kind of the idea. Um, and I you know, wanted just to put something out there that had loads of modular, uh, but also line of sight blocking terrain. But then, but you, but you could maneuver around. So what I ended up doing was, so I, I have um, I have a, a GW Realm of Battleboard, which is painted um, kind of muddy brown with some slightly lighter brown highlights so i i i use that as as the kind of as the base layer so i'm not i'm not going to talk over much about construct constructing the board vis-a-vis mm-hmm. the scenery um although you could quite easily just get a, a a six foot by four foot um sheet of wood of plywood um and then and just paint it paint it brown because i think that kind of forest yep. floor is a great way to go sure um and to or, be fair you've got indeed, so like much a, terrain well, on that board that uh that's all. I'm not going to say it doesn't matter what the board looks like, but you you've got it so well covered that you know it's it's that's almost secondary. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a great point. Um, but I think it, it, so. If you even if you had a uh, like a one of those the gaming mats that are starting to come out more and more now, it, that would work. But the, the the what I felt was important to do was to make sure the 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 bases for all the scenery pieces matched the the board, which is which is what I think really ties it together. So it's I used exactly the same paint, um, same, nice. the same scheme, um, and and actually rather than I the way I did it was I just went to a like a a, a, hob, a hobby store or an art store and and got some big. Um, bottles of of acrylic paint acrylic brown paint and acrylic sort of yellow and gray uh, and you just use that for all my, all my scenery to make sure it ties in together but so onto the uh, you know and, and we're gonna um I, i'm we're gonna we're gonna work out how we can get pictures of this up for you guys to see but essentially what i did was i, I want i went to um like a i i guess like a, a furniture no it's not a furniture store we have a shop a shop here called tk max do you have that in 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 the u.s i think it might be called something slightly different okay so anyway it's like a it's like a a discounting store so lots of you can go there and get lots of lots of brands um you know they're like they'll be like you out of season um stuff clothes etc you can get it for for discounts but they also have like a home furnishing section and i found a um like a, a plastic pot plant um not pot as in um, uh, the obvious, but just like pot plant, as in a, a, a plant that lived in a pot. Anyway, um, and it uh, and it was made up of it, it was made up of these kind of plastic branches that had these crazy little green plastic, um, uh, like sort of almost like starbursts of of vegetation at the end of them. And they looked kind of looked a little bit alien, a little bit jungly, and they were all sticking out of it at different angles. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to to get that to cut them all off and have and then stick them upright on some on some bases to make like little little trees like um i guess kind of 
alien-ish or at least exotic looking tree um, trunks. So that's what I did. So I, I, I bought one of these, these plants, uh, took it home, chopped it all up, destroyed a set of um, plastic, uh, like sprue clippers doing it because um, they all had, they had like metal in the middle of the, of the plastic trunks. Not to worry. And then, so I got, I had, I got the, I used a jigsaw to cut out some uh, wooden bases. And, and then this was the, the key thing, hot glue gun. If you are making scenery, you cannot have enough hot glue guns or, or, or ammunition for it. And then just, and, and used uh, hot glue to uh, just plant these things upright in, on the board. Nice. Um, I then- has that, has that proved durable, the hot glue? Yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's so good. I mean, if you, I mean, I dumped a load of it on there. The rationale being that what it would then do is paint it up afterwards and and then, and then sprinkle some um, flock or static grass on it, and it would just look like the kind of the base of a tree anyway. So it didn't didn't matter that it was kind of lumpy and misshapen because it would you know it's supposed to be vegetation. So and it, it's worked really well. Um, so I had so I, I did that and I was really happy with it. Then I got really sad because the um, the it, I didn't have enough of those tree trunks or mini tree trunks to, to cover the whole board um and i figured because it because this this store only does end of end of the line things there was no way i would ever find this plant again so i had to had to come up with another way of of um covering the board uh, i went to a pet store um and found and went to the aquarium um i guess furniture section so the they have, I mean, I don't have any pet fish or whatever, but the but you can buy like, the I think they're they're just like they look like kind of puff balls, um, and they're they're made of this like green spiky plastic, but they just I think they're supposed to go in an aquarium to add some color and, and vibrancy to to it, um, but you can cut them in half uh, and stick them on on a on a on a wooden base, and they look like a big a big bush, and they come in you know, different sizes, so you can sprinkle those around all, on all the different. Um, uh, I think those are my favorite. They also have more aquarium plants, which are great. You know, just chop them off their base, hot glue them um, vertically, and, and they look really cool. They, uh, again, aquarium f- tend aquariums tend to have like um, ruins and sort of rocky scenery that your goldfish can swim in out of in and out of. And they they if you paint if you if you break them up a little bit, paint paint them, um, and then dry brush them. They they tend to look like some really cool like ruined ruined scenery and, and actually um, I know I was saying to you guys um, off air before we started recording the uh, one of them actually looks exactly like a realm gate I just I didn't realize it until I was looking through the photographs now but the so that's pretty cool um, you guys with me so far any questions no I was just gonna comment I did definitely like um, the use of those large bushes because they're both they're line line of sight blocking um, they look larger and like out of control and that sort of thing. And so I think they, they do kind of add kind of an alien feel to them, but um, they also look, I think, yeah, like you said, if you, you spray paint them and tone down the luminescence of the green or leave it cause it's alien, right? Um, they, the, they add a visual texture to the board that is really cool. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I definitely like all the, you've got like two or you've got three, at least three different, but maybe even four different, you know, types of vegetation, which which adds a lot of depth and layers um, to the board for sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really pleased with the way it turned out. Actually, um, the I think so. The, the combination of of the 
really the, the home home furnishing place and the, the pet store is a great place to go for, for this kind of stuff and then in the sort of the, and the final part of the story is that i was in another another town and i drove past one of these tk max shops and i thought you know what i will go in just on the off chance to see if they have any of the if these if they got a, a supply of these pot plants uh this was like a month and a half later and and they did and uh and the um and so i, I they I've managed to find another one of these plants, which I was so happy, I like crying tears of joy. Um, <laughs> and so like, the, the uh, I remember the, the girl behind the counter was like, you seem awfully happy to have found that pot plant. And I was like, <laughs> I was like just please don't ask me to explain. And then, so yeah, so, so then that then made the, the second half of all, all, all the trees. So that's why, that's, that's why the uh, the board looks as um, as covered as it does, and then you can then you know just throw some drop some static grass on there just to break it up a little bit, and it's it's a really good way. So I think especially for we're, we're talking about you know the realm of life, Giran. If you want if you want to simulate vegetation in a war games board, or uh, then I would see I would suggest going to a pet shop, um, getting into the aquarium section, uh, then and also looking for looking for plastic house plants that you can chop up um reorientate on a, on a on a base of some sort is a great way to start here's uh something i'd think about too um i see in some of your photos like the the blasted um craters um mm-hmm. i think gw has those primarily for 40 40k um i could see them being the roots of trees mm-hmm. um in in Garan, life is so abundant the trees are gigantic yeah um, yeah. And so even like, uh, you know, you've used, I've used um, different kinds. So like oatmeal, oatmeal here uh, comes in these big containers. Um, in 40K, you might use that for a big like silo of some sort. Oh, but sure. in Garan, uh, you know, that that uh, four inch, five inch, six inch um, wide um, container could easily be a single tree. Yeah. Um, and to have to skirt around these big, huge trees um, could be a really cool um you know, just kind of way of, of, of working in the space. So Mal, tell me again, how long have you had this board for? Um, I think I started building all the pieces for that would have been early 2014. Okay. So it's, it's really, I'll tell you what it reminded me of right when I saw it. I, uh, I can't remember how long you've been playing 40 K for, but back in, uh, back in third edition, the, uh, there was an Imperial Guard jungle fighters, Katachin or Katakin, depending on how you want to say it. That mm-hmm. codex came out, and it was all of a sudden like it was the first I remember of Games Workshop saying like you can play a game where the board is saturated with terrain, and in fact you should. And it was a different way of playing it, uh, and so that's that's what it made me think. And I remember being so excited about that idea. And that's been a cool thing with Age of Sigmar is you can make a board like you've done here that is just saturated with terrain, and you can play it. You know. Well, that's that's funny you should say that. One of the first games that I played on it. Um, was a, a Death Worlds game. We used the um, the, the the Death Worlds um, supplement for forty k, which had all kind of it was exactly that. It was you know how can you how can you um, make the terrain do some cool stuff? Uh, you know and have man eating trees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's so that's exactly what we did here. Nice, all right, very cool. Well, we'll try and get some links to photos um, for you listeners, um, so you can take a look at that tree. So kind of recap um aquari- uh, uh, pet stores with aquarium terrain um and you know leafy things your local second hand or second market um 
you know, places, Home Goods is one that's around here and that sort of thing, or TJ Maxx and you have TK Maxx, um, might have something like that. Um, great places to find. I, I've looked on Amazon too. You, you, Amazon has a ton of aquarium plants. So I'm sure that you could find something like this on there and order it. Um, but then also think big. Uh, Garan has big plants, big life and that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, don't feel like you can't take huge things, like put your potted plants from outside down on the table. <laughs> <laughs> and actually on that, on that topic of thinking big or thinking different, you know, we've, we've been talking a lot about the, uh, sort of archetypal realm of life board where it's, you know, heavy vegetation, lots of trees, jungle, but you know, these realms are enormous, right? So life comes in so many different forms. What about, you know, what about a snowy realm of life board? You know, what about the, or what about aquatic, you know, there's, uh, I, I, Underwater Age of Sigmar? I don't know. You know, like <laughs> island-based or, you know, where, yeah. where it's – where it's. Well, uh, they do say they, – when they talk about the realm of life, often yeah. they talk about it's it's life in all of its cycles. Right. And so barren deserts yeah, exactly. um, are a part of life as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of all of the extremes of, of the seasons. Yeah, I look forward to seeing people explore that. Uh, if you're doing something like that, let us know. We'd love to let people know about well, it. Well, just on that, to, to uh, a couple of, of – of Twitter accounts where you can see some really cool kind of floating island, um, big tree um, uh, tables. So Steve Foot at Tin Racer Steve on Twitter um, is using driftwood as a way to create a um, sky oak and building a board and floating islands around that. And then uh, Steve Herner. Um, let me make sure I've got that one right. Have you gotten a look at this uh, driftwood one, Mel? Yeah, I have. I'm looking at it right now. It's, um, it, it, I think, so the concept sketches he has look amazing. Um, it's like he, it looks like it's done with watercolor or something. It looks it looks really really nice. Um, I think it, uh, it it it's certainly ambitious. You know, having the <laughs> um, the the flying you know the flying oak, and, and it, I think I would guess that the plan is to. He has like a like a waterfall coming off the side of it, and I think you know in the same way that yeah, you can have like a support running through the waterfall um, to to make it to sort of give it the illusion of flying. I mean, that's a you know that is a significant um, terrain project. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to to seeing how it works out for him. Well, you can see a, a, another person who's uh, building uh, Steve Herner, Holy Hammer Hearn. Uh, on Twitter um, of the Holy Hammer GT, Holy Wars GT, Holy Wars GT. Sorry about that. Um, is has been known on Twitter for building tons of tables. Uh, puts out a lot of updates on his his feed. He, he runs a tournament that it's worth going to just for the terrain that you get to play on. Like that, it's worth the entry fee. Even if you got to play one, even if you just got to walk through the hall, it'd be worth it. So, um, and he's got a floating island with three waterfalls coming off of it. Um, I'm not certain from his designs if there's going to be a tree on there or not. I'm, now, he I'm looking through, at it right now. That's insane. That's he he awesome. worked through uh, trial and error. I think it was his third third method that he attempted. Yeah. He figured out. But he's got like plexiglass as a support and then the waterfall over the top of that. <laughs> so it looks like it's just the waterfall holding it up. Uh, very cleverly done. Very cool. Very effective. And wouldn't expect anything less from this guy. But. Yeah. So a couple other places to seek inspiration if you're on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, at for Tim sure. Racer Steve and at Holy Hammer Hearn. Yep. These are the boards we can play on. Let's actually talk about playing the campaign phase. 
the campaign phase. In the campaign phase, we explore how the plastic hits the table. Rules, scenarios, new tactics, and narrative campaigns. All right, so as we have in the past, we're going to talk about um, the rules that you can use to play in the realm of Garan. So um, in the two campaign books, there are two times of war. There's a rot water, what? Hmm. Rot water blight, <laughs> <laughs> or there's the green glades. Um, and then there's, um, let's see, there are seven uh, s- scenarios that uh, between the two books that tie back just to the the story that we've talked about. Yeah, and they are they are. I think the. I mean, I, I'm going to come across again like a super fanboy, but I think the 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 the, comb- the combination of the 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 background, the stories, the fluff, and and the way that the the. Uh, War scrolls actually play is is so well done. Like, you know the the, the game the, the the game plays like it should. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, and that, I think that's I mean these time of war things it just sets you in a new place. So let me go into first. Let me talk about rot wire. Hmm, I'm gonna have trouble with this. Defeated. Rot, <laughs> rot water blight. Um, yeah. Got it. Yeah. So. Uh, there's a different triumphs table, which um, you know is okay. It's kind of for for if you've got chained games, you can have the triumphs table. Um, there's a couple of really cool rules in here. Spontaneous growth. Um, each roll of six, you can set up a Sylvaneth wood. Um, so kind of just better have a bunch of those. Yeah. So trees coming, uh, you know, terrain coming out of nowhere, um, which you know this is the type of terrain that definitely provides cover and sometimes um, other um, can have other um, elements to it uh life bloom if a roll for a unit's battle shock test is a one so really low which in battle shock you want to roll one then that unit is blessed with magical vitality is and no models from that unit flee regardless of any modifiers in addition the life sustaining magics have a curative effect and all wounds suffered by models in that unit are healed so if you have a multi-wound model who's you know down a couple um or one they'd be able to get that back so just it's not going to affect a ton um, but certainly could mean the difference between taking battle shock the next time, you know, um, hidden festering corruption, all terrain, uh, features in rot water. Hmm. Again, rot water blight have the hidden festering corruption scenery rule. Um, in addition to the other ones. So if you set up a bunch of stuff, they all have this roll of dice for each enemy unit that is within one inch of the terrain feature. And, uh, at the end of the hero phase, add one to the dice roll. If your general is a follower of Nurgle and is still alive. On a roll of five or more, the unit suffers one mortal wound. So it's just the the terrain, like you said, is trying to eat you, trying to kill you. Um, and then there's a few, um, you know, other ones. Uh, Oak of Ages Pass is a fragment from the world it was. Uh, from one end, uh, it's a hollow trunk, flows a stream of pure, untainted water. At the start of the battle, a corrupt stream is flowing from the oak and into rot water blight, granting unholy vitality to Nurgle's minions. Um Basically, this is simulating that that uh, stream that's yep. flowing. Pupa Grotes is performing his ablutions in it, and uh, while he's still doing that, it's benefiting Nurgle. And then at some point, that stops happening, and then it, the the uh, the switch is flipped, and it's helping the other side instead. Yep. So uh, in one on one roll, it's helping Nurgle, on the other roll, it's helping Order. So um, you know, and then uh, all wizards in Rotwider. Oh my gosh, it's still going. Rot water. 
Rot water. Rot water. Uh, I can't wait to edit this. Our following, uh, our followers. <laughs> Don't of Nurgle, edit it. Leave it as is. <laughs> no, they know the miasma of pestilence spell. In addition to any others, um, any friendly unit within twelve inches um, until the next hero phase, the opposing player must subtract one from the hit rolls. So it's a negative one to hit uh, debuff. And then you can increase the casting value by one or more. Uh, you can pick one extra friendly unit to be affected by the spell for each point by which you increase your casting value. So. Um, so just really cool. And then there's a wildwood thing there. You can have dryads pop out. So that's a, it's a pr- lot going on. And, yeah. and when we've played, um, uh, with using time of war, I mean, use use what you want, yeah. right? Use some of it, use all of it. It's, it's really just gives you a, a lot of tools. Yeah. A good example is, uh, rot water blight is basically the green glades on steroids. So if we take the green glades, it's throwing out the Oak of Ages pass. It's throwing out some of this extra stuff. It still has the Shield of Thorns spells. It still has a little bit of helping to Nurgle. So you, you figure out, do I want this to have a huge effect on the game, or do I want it just to be a little tweak uh, and, and play it like you like? Have you tried these at all, Mel? Uh, no, we, did, we, we didn't use the Garan ones, um, I think, because there was... Um, we're going to talk about it very shortly, but when the game that I played, which was Kill the Beast, was, so, was kind of complex and had a whole bunch of extra stuff going on anyway um and we were um my buddy ewan and i were um he he was kind of uh gming it for a third buddy of ours who who oh, it was really cool. his first big proper game of aos that he'd played so we wanted yeah. to make it not too crazy sure that makes sense and similar here i don't think we've had a table that would accurately represent the realm of life so we haven't we haven't used it ourselves no so davy um can you walk us through the scenarios and how they fit Sure. Uh, the, the scenarios that fit that are in the campaign books that fit the stories that we just talked about early in the episode. So there's seven scenarios that tie in with the the story that we've already discussed. Three of them come from the first book, and uh, four of them come from the quest for Galmaraz, the second book. Uh, they each correspond. Obviously, they can be used generically, which is mostly what we've done, but they also correspond to specific parts in the story, with the exception of the trap, which is the, the first one you'll find. That actually is a... Uh, the way it links is it's it's basically Giron before the arrival of the Stormcast. It's a typical battle between Nurgle and Sylvaneth, uh, the Sylvaneth performing an ambush on them. It's just the kind of the uh, guerrilla warfare that you see. And the trap is just like it sounds. It's one army ambushing another, um, challenging in that way. Uh, next in the first book is Breakthrough, and this is... Uh, we're still talking about the Gates of Dawn here. So it's, it's that uh, first story. The Stormcast have arrived. They're trying to push through the initial Nurgle surge to get to the Gates of Dawn in order to uh, shut it down. But it's not, it's not actually focused on the gate itself. It's, it's the pushing through the blocking line. So you have an interesting scenario. Eric and I, this is one of the first scenarios we played that wasn't, uh, wasn't straight out of the box set. Yeah. So, yeah, it was... Uh... And, and our first taking armies outside of the box set. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for this one, Mal, have you played this one? Uh, so we are looking at the trap. Um, uh, breakthrough. Oh no, sorry, breakthrough, breakthrough. Um, uh, no. Okay. I don't think so. so I don't it, think so. It, uh, it has two. So you have an a, a attacker who's trying to push through, and your win objective is purely based on can you move models uh, to the opposite edge, you have to. They have to be there for the hero phase. Yep. Uh, At the end of uh, your hero phase, mm-hmm. uh, or the beginning of a hero phase, uh, they need to be within six inches of the opposite side 
and you have to get um, a percentage of your models across. Oh, so it's like the it's like the um, in the starter set when you have the prosecutors and you have to get them across the board. Yeah, definitely. It's like it's like that writ large. Okay, I'm with you. Okay. Yep. And this was this is a I think if you get a, a quarter uh, push across, you get a, the the person trying to break through gets a minor victory, and if you get a third uh, pushing across, then it becomes a major victory. Yeah. So it's a very it's a it's a very thin threshold between losing versus uh, winning versus winning big. And specifically, where it, it scaled for us is that you have a relatively you know tight, compact cavalry slanesh army mm-hmm. um, with a you know just a few models, mm-hmm. um, and I have a I was using ogres, which also isn't a high model count army either, um, and so we were working with a threshold of I think you know seven to eight or six to eight was your percentages yep. um, for getting it across. So. Um, in that case, you know, could have you know one or two models killed mm-hmm. could have you know made a a, a really big difference yep. um, in that. The the important other factor here is the blocking force is randomly arrayed. They don't get to pick exactly where they set up. So uh, the challenge for the invader is that they've got to push all the way through a whole big amount of board, and uh, it's made more difficult to block them though because the you don't you're not. Uh, defending in the perfect manner so yep it ended up being a pretty good pretty good balance for us yeah so when i when i deployed all of my heroes my ogre heroes were off to the the right side of the board and um you know you set up first davy and so you kind of spread out across your line but i had to move some over here some over here you know to the left to the right whatever so but all three of my heroes yeah i think were off to the right hand side and i bravely sprinted to the other side of the board (laughs) Well, your fast cab happened to be on the left-hand side. Um, and we to- we didn't totally grasp the flea mechanic yep. right away. I created a net with my... Uh, um, Iron guts were setting up. And you oh, you also had a big uh, slew of the Noblars. Yes. Uh, man, I haven't played them enough to recently <laughs> to, to remember their names. Um, but yeah, so I tried to create this big net. Hey, get past me. Um, and I had the opportunity to... Have the the tyrant bop them over the head, cause some wounds, but give them you know um, t- so they don't have to take a, a break check, yeah. um, uh, battle shock, which would have been fantastic for Noblars not to have to take a battle yeah. shock test. Um, and you know I yeah I had small I just had a couple I had like three man units of of iron guts going after your um, uh, your fast cav and there's yeah couple more wounds and maybe I could have gotten you down to a minor. Right. So this game hinged around. I went flying in. I was like, I'm going to bust straight through these guys. And I discovered how awful iron guts were. And I was feeling sorry for myself. And then it occurred to me, I was like, you know what? I can retreat out of combat. And I did that, got another turn. And all of a sudden it was two turns of move plus run away. And I was too far away for him to catch up. The other interesting thing is if you're doing it by model count, all of a sudden, my general became super expendable. He's tanky and fighty, but he's still only one model. So he can pile into the fight, bog someone down, keep them from pursuing. Uh, and meanwhile, I get the super valuable you know, marauders with javelins <laughs> off <laughs> and, uh, and snatch the win on that one. So. Yep. And we, I think when we talked about it, I think we had the perfect two armies. You had a fast cav army that was going to be able to make the distance, and I had a heavy uh damage output army that should have been able to you know uh you know if positioned correctly 
dole out enough damage to slow, you know, to take those extra models out to to bring it down. Um, but in the end, I, I mean, we both we both felt pretty satisfied with mm-hmm. the objective that we still had plenty of models on the table, mm-hmm. but we had a, a decisive victory. Yep. Yep. Uh, so the next scenario, uh, still working in the Gates of Dawn, and in the first book is uh, called Preemptive Strike. This one is actually simulating the uh, struggle for the, gate of the Gates of Dawn, Balathrax versus Gardas, basically, uh, who can uh, grab it. You have you have one force kind of in control of the Realm Gate and another one trying to snatch it back. And control of the Realm Gate, uh, having control of the Realm Gate allows you to bring extra reinforcements on, um, lets you simulate that scenario, or, or anything. And the Realm Gate's being so pivotal, uh, it, it can come into play there. But uh, I don't think anyone here has played that. So uh, we'll There's some good videos of that one being played um, online on YouTube. Uh, Gorilla, uh, Gorilla Miniatures um, yeah. uh, has played that game. They played Stormcast versus uh, Orcs, Oryx, and it was uh, pretty cool. They played it a couple of times. Uh, book two, Spellbreakers. That one simulates the uh, attempt to take down the Dirgehorn. I played that against a local guy here. We were his Zinch versus my uh, Slanesh, and that was another. It's another percentage based uh, with the with the destruction of the artifact. It, it's given a, a stat line. If you can take it out and kill X number of models, then it uh, shifts you from major to minor victories. And uh, this was where my numbers worked against me. All my super hard stuff, like I talked about, uh, the. Chaos Lord and stuff could be expendable in the breakthrough. Well, here I was left with my knights and Chaos Lord, and I still had a lot of fighting power, but I'd accidentally given up all my uh, light stuff. I'd given up my Marauder Cav, my Hell Striders, my Warhounds, and even though I had the hard punch left in my army, I'd lost 75% of my models and uh, lost this in two turns. So can't can't talk too much about it. There were huge effects, um, again, simulating the Dirgehorn with, uh, with morale, uh, adjusting your bravery and your battle shock, and that actually was a, a big problem for scattered marauder cabin warhounds. Who, uh, if they start taking battle shock, especially at a penalty, it's it's a bad scene. So, um, this was a this is a good example. I, I find some of these scenarios have a lot of moving parts. I don't know if you've seen the scene, same thing, Mel. And we'll, we'll get to it actually when we talk about uh, the the big one that you got to play. Uh, some of them almost seem like they have too many ideas going on. You know, this was this yes. was. Uh, yeah, I was uh, like, oh, I get it. You know, I'm going to break the dirge horn, but also, oh, but also, there's this thing that has to do with uh, battle shock and this other thing. So I, uh, I've been counting yeah, that. A you could, times. you they all, they would all benefit from. I think as a, almost as a rule, they benefit from playing a very small game with half the rules first, and then yep. playing like a bigger one with them all. With them all, but I mean, I know that that just impacts on do you have the time, inclination, etc., yeah. etc. Et but I think it just it, you know you. But because it's because it's deliberately non-competitive, just mm-hmm. pull the rules out that you want to use and, and sure. do. But but again, the problem that you you've identified there is you don't necessarily know which rules are going to be the the the, the game making game breaking ones yep. until you play it. Yep. Uh, let's see. Next was out of the mist, and this was uh, would simulate in the book when Gardas has returned out of the gate. Uh, this one has is an interesting mechanic where uh, all the terrain uh, blocks vision and not only blocks vision but within three inches around it. So again, this is like at first glance, this is the core mechanic of that scenario is we're blocking vision, so shooting's going to have a hard time. Anyone charging into the mist is risking dying on a one. They similar just... in the 
last uh, episode we talked about one where steam is rising. Yep. Yep, very similar. In this one, uh, all wizards have the ability to either make it more egregious, like billow those clouds out, or blow them away entirely. So you you have the ability to kind of manipulate the the lines of sight that way. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I like the idea of that. Um, I th- you know, yeah. I mean, just being able to take the board and control it differently or right. change the elements. You have a little bit of a chess match of what is the board going to look like next turn? Where is, where is uh, you know, who can manipulate it in what way? So again, talking about this this concept of multiple ideas in a single scenario, the other thing is this is also a messenger scenario on turn three. Uh, a, a, the messenger drops in and there's a, is a somewhat complicated, but it looks, it looks reasonable mechanic for determining where that messenger uh, lands and can he get off the board and that's Gardas being rescued or you know Gardas arriving and giving all the super awesome information that he learned while he was running around in uh, Nurgle's garden which is not the best way to get your cardio uh, <laughs> the uh, the next scenario up was uh, kill the beast and this I have not played I think it's one of the cooler looking ones uh, Mal you have played this correct yeah, we, yeah. I saw, like I said uh, earlier, before um, we, we were having a, a like a, a hobby gaming weekend over at the house um, to get ready for Battle Brothers last weekend. I had um, my buddy Colin, who is going to be, who's he, he he's recently got back into forty k and just gaming in general. And Ewan was over as well, and we were all kind of we were just um, doing some you know modeling and painting. We decided to play game. Uh, we took Colin through the the. Um, AOS starter set and then we wanted to play like a bigger game and we picked Kill the Beast um, because we had the sort of the jungly themed table and it's an interesting one it, it really plays into what you were saying about so, so much going on so Kill the Beast is um, is kind of crazy because it has rules, it has like a side table which is you only you use two thirds of the table as the battle on the ground in you know, in the realm of life and then you they use the other third of the table as happening in the air because it's designed it's designed to replicate the um the, the, the prosecutors fighting against um a th- i'm pretty sure it was supposed to be uh, plague drones plague drones yeah. um you know in, in the book um and then at the same time you're you're so all that's going on and you can take a turn to move from the you can move from being in the sky to being on the ground and if you get smashed up in the sky you automatically fall on the ground etc etc like really weird but and, and you also then have there's a mechanic where you have you you pick up a, a part of the board on on the i guess the chaos player side to be um like the beast's lair and if you look at well we'll, we'll put the photos up of the of the board but i have like a sort of like um like cave looking piece of scenery that we use the beast layer we used a corgorath actually as the beast um, and the if he's within fifteen inches of 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 the center point of his lair, he gets all sorts of. He basically becomes insanely hard to kill. <laughs> and the 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 point of the game is yeah, kill the yeah obviously kill the beast, but also you know, deal with all this other crap we on at the same time. And we so we we played it. We used basically all of my Stormcast Eternals that I had built and painted, and a, a bunch of uh, core and bloodbound stuff. And then in order to give the chaos. Side something to fight with in the sky. We used a load of zinch screamers. Oh, nice! I have I have a ton of, and which I'm just loving the fact that my my chaos demon forty k army is now ready to play in Age of Sigmar <laughs> yeah, with, yeah. with zero 
that Zero already. extra extra work. Sure. So that was fun. So, I mean, I mean, you don't you don't have to have airborne models to play in the sky part of it, but we just thought it'd be cooler to have um, you know, yeah. characters that were designed yeah. to fly. Um, and you know, it, it, it took a, it was a long game actually. It was a really long game because there was so much going on. It was quite a, and it was quite a big point size. And I think we we kind of screwed up the. That we we didn't we deliberately didn't comp it or anything, and we just took what 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 looked about right. But ultimately, I think it was quite heavily skewed in favour of we we it didn't need so many screamers basically, and uh, we failed to kill the beast. Well, I failed to kill the beast, and Colin um, managed to pretty much wipe me out to a man, despite <laughs> it being his first proper game of Age of Sigmar, which made me feel pretty good about life. Oh, oh, and I should say this is representing pupil grotesque going after him. Pupil grotesque. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot. I forgot the, it was supposed to be. There's the uh, big fight prosecutors and playgrounds, but uh, this is this is an example where it mirrors the uh, the game very or the uh, story very accurately. It feels like two different scenarios. It feels you know it feels like you could have the the beast scenario or have a game that's you know split in the sky. If you wanted, you could just use half of them and have a pretty interesting scenario. I think you could have the the split skyboard and ground board, or you could just have the, I'm going to try and kill this beast. I think either way, or you can totally. combine them together yeah. like this. So. Uh, Definitely. But the, the idea of having a split board affecting the main board, that's always been something that I've been fond of as an idea. You always read those battle reports in white dwarf, you know, back for battle of Armageddon when you had an artillery table shelling a main table and a, a breakthrough table. I don't know if you remember any of those. Uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely do. Mike. Yeah. Well, and I know I've heard people talking too with the realm gates, using a realm gate to jump onto another table. Yeah, um, completely. So you know, just having, not that having multiple tables is always the easiest thing uh, at home, but uh, you know, yeah, using part of your table is a great solution uh, for that. It would be fun to to engineer something where you could you could have tables affecting each other and hop in between them like that. It'd be pretty what if cool, you so. could hover one table above the other one for the sky <laughs> table and you literally bring them up to the top level? And, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll close it out with the uh, War of Storms. This this is the representing the battle in the Hidden Vale where Sigmar Storm is going up against the Deluge of Nurgle. Uh, and which one will succeed? This this is entirely one on this sort of moving, moving line. It goes. It starts at in between. You're playing long, longwise on the table, so you deploy at the short ends and push at each other that way. And uh, territory is defined. The, the storm front moves back and forth, and it's basically like a giant sort of indicator of who's winning, which way it's pushed. And you you move it by winning a roll off with an advantage for a priest. And by inflicting wounds on the enemy general or outright killing him, that's very played, cool. Yeah, it was it was actually really cool. I, I remember reading it and being like, eh, and then got on and playing it. And you have if you have the advantage, then you can press that. Your your special command ability comes into play. Um, I played against uh, my Slanesh versus Brian Zinch, and it seemed a very appropriate chaos versus chaos. You know, like two two uh, sections of the the realm of chaos moving back and forth because this, this is a thing mm-hmm. that happens all the time. Real quick, just on that note, in this story, um, when uh, when uh, I think oh, Morbidex was yeah. watching the prosecutors and the plague drones fighting in the sky, yeah. he was kind of likening it to in the void where um, two realms meet each other. Mm. You would often have the chaos fighting each other, but he said then it was a little more playful. Yeah, like I mean, you're not oh, sure. having anything compared to this, which was just all-out war, Savage. and he longed to be up there. But yeah, so that yeah. exact thing he, they describe in the story. Uh, uh, this was this was another 
uh, actually, there's another loss for me, although it was a lot closer. I didn't have a priest. He had a war shrine, which has the priest keyword, so he's at the advantage on the roll-off each time. And so I went for this uh, Hail Mary and rocketed my my super-fast general on a steed of Slanash in, and uh, he was using uh, the Zinch guy with the, the vestigial brother up on his shoulder. His his Chaos Sorcerer is sitting in there, and I, I managed to snake in, kill him, and then literally, like, the next model swung, killed mine, uh, and so that, that uh, flattened out any any gains. Uh, and he, he ended up uh, rolling that as well. But it was it was pretty fun. It was it was definitely one of those where uh, obje- objective-based, it didn't matter how much he killed as long as he killed the right things. Um, so it, was, it, was, uh, it had a fun feel to it, and I'd recommend that one. So Sweet. So that's um, a lot of the scenarios in the current um, – two current um, scenario packs, the campaign books. Um, and they tie directly to this. So if, if you are reading this, if you really enjoyed the story, if you want to you know, build an, one of these armies, the Nurgle, um, Beastman, Sylvaneth, Stormcast, um, Hallowed Knights, and play them in, in Garan, um, you know, building a table like um, Mal was talking about and using some of these scenarios with the Garan rules can really help, um, I don't know, just create a lot of fun for your Age of Sigmar game and uh, with with friends and with uh, your gaming group. So, I mean, and that's the point of, of why we get together um, yeah. to talk about these things is because there's so much depth um, in how all these things tie together. Um, and it's really, I mean, they're just a, a very direct, clear line between the stories, the the campaigns, the um, battle scrolls, etc. Um, and it's really cool to be able to kind of talk yeah, through those. What you want from any of this would be the scenario, a time of war, the book itself, the yeah. models released. You want it to spark some idea in you that gets you excited about yeah. playing. And there's a lot of ways that that happens here. I- Definitely, I, yeah. And, as you say, I, and I, I really wasn't kidding when we were talking earlier on about how I'm going to have to try hard not to not to buy some, some Blight Kings and some, uh, <laughs> you know, to... Over the holidays, because they, yeah, I think they, they look like such awesome models. But absolutely, and you know, like you guys are saying, that some of these, um, some of these scenarios were almost two scenarios, like two sets. Mm-hmm. You could take one or the other. I mean, that in of itself, with these seven scenarios, you've got fourteen different ways to play the game. Maybe so, you know, pick and choose, do what you want, play what you want to play, um, and have fun with it. All right, fellas, I think. Uh... We've done the realm of life to death. Oh, uh, uh, there. Yeah, right. yeah. All right. So tell me, please tell me when we do the realm of death, you're not going to reverse that. Uh, I cannot make life. promises. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> do we, I don't know if that's yeah. going to work. So we'll see. But so this has been our first trip to the realm of Garan, the realm of life. Um, we are looking forward to visiting some more realms in the coming months and episodes, and we hope that you join us. If you have any thoughts and feedback on you know, how these episodes are structured, what we could, what you'd like to hear or what you like hearing already, um, please provide your feedback to us uh, by email, mortalrealms at gmail.com. Or you can catch us on Twitter, at red underscore Zeke for me. At mortalrealms uh, to get hold of me. And at stonemonkgamer for me. All right, gentlemen. We'll uh, see you next time. There's definitely some things to cut out, probably in there. I think, uh, why?
Dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that <laughs> <laughs> Talking to just... And... <laughs> Let's start that over. All this, all this uh, Nurgle talk is really... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Someone, someone has a bad case of the rot. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I've got a little bit of... Uh, yeah, I've got oh, a little Nurgle the in consumption. me. The consumption. I got a little Nurgle in me. All right, I'll start that over. <laughs>